0: If you had to take a Cenobite as your plus one to a wedding, who would you take?
1: The DJ one. The CD head <laughs> yeah.
2: Cenobite?
1: I mean, the guy knows how to you know, be a DJ, so he could be functional. Do you
3: think he's compatible with all the sound systems?
1: I mean, he's a Cenobite. He's got <laughs> do you think He do you can think, figure it out.
3: Do you think he has different inputs and outputs? Yeah,
1: he shoots out, you know, like RJ eight jacks and whatever. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Instead of hooks, of hooks, he shoots yeah. out coaxial yeah. cable. Okay.
0: okay, so you would actually employ him at the wedding. Yeah, I mean, as a plus I think one, if though?
1: you're a DJ and you're in a situation where you could be a DJ, he's just going to volunteer. You think so? He just kind of stood oh, around quite he's a like, bit. I think I got this, yo.
0: How many discs <sighs> yeah. is does he change? Is he like a multi changer? I mean, or he, or he was single? shooting
1: CDs out like crazy. I think he's got a number of, uh, he's, got a, he's got a hundred disc, disc changer in his is. stomach <laughs> available to him.
0: Full of John Tesh only. <laughs> um, I would actually pick Camerahead. Also uh, He functional. was in movie three. Yeah. Camera head. Oh, the guy with the... Yeah, the video- he was the cameraman. Oh, God, that guy was terrible. Uh, we would use it as an opportunity to start a hellish wedding business. We'd do evil wedding videos. Well, dude, mm. you and John can go in together. He, just, can do yeah. the, he can do the DJing and you can do the... Um,
3: you, filming. Yeah, very utilitarian. Unholy
0: Matrimony. Oh. That'll be the name of our business. Oh,
3: that's pretty good. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: so we'd offer uh, bride and groom photo- photography packages with chains and pain. Um, it would be called the Such Sites Package. Uh, we'd take you down to Hell where we would do all the photography right next to the map paintings in Hell, um, as seen in movie two. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, if that doesn't work out, then maybe we'd do a Bravo TV wedding show.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, Bravo would definitely pick it up. I'd watch that. <laughs>
0: I think everybody would. Yeah. That's a wrap. Garrett, what do you got? <laughs> wow, that's a tough one. Um,
3: I feel like Pinhead would be pretty boring. You know? Yeah. Um, I feel like he'd have the most information to talk about, but he'd be pretty boring. I'm gonna go with Angelique. I mean, you know, if you gotta bring a crazy Hellraiser person, bring the hottest one with you. Never mind you me. Is she
0: the one with the open throat?
3: No, 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 that's uh vagina throat lady's the first one. Yeah. Okay. Angelique's and, in the second one. Uh is she the second one or third one? No, she's in the third one. Third she's one, the okay. she's that like the girlfriend oh, yeah, that yeah, gets turned yeah. into
1: the right. I got him confused. Yep. Yeah. She's like the seductress one. What would, good choice. It's a good choice. It's you know, the most plus one of... Which Mark and I are trying to start businesses over here. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are running that side hustle. Yeah. I'm over here like, yo, what
0: up, girl? How you doing? Yeah, I guess maybe that is a little selfish of us, but... Um, yeah. You're Can exploiting you, the Cenobites? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Pinhead as your best man? I could. Or that uh, speech that he gave it for the toast?
1: Oh, I would love it. He's very focused on one topic of conversation. He'd be so boring.
3: I hope when they like, do you have the rings? He just like rips them out of his nipples or something like that. <laughs> like, but Nobody wants to put that on
0: their fingers. Hey, everyone. Quick note about today's episode. If you would like to enhance your listening experience, please watch Hellraiser from 1987 and Hellbound Hellraiser 2 from 1988. Please enjoy. Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Grave Talk Podcast. My name is Mark. Again, joined with John and Garrett. Fellas, how are we doing today? I'm doing... Yeah, okay. Same time now. Doing all right. I'm doing good. What have you guys been up to since we last recorded?
1: I've been busy in the horror world. I saw... uh, With my wife, I went and saw
3: The Quiet Place. That's the John Krasinski movie, right? It is. Okay. Uh, Jim from The Office, is that right? Yeah. You got it. Okay. And his wife. What's his wife's name? He's thing?
1: ripped, yo, in this movie. Dude, He's he was the...
3: ripped in, like, what was that movie? Um, the Benghazi movie. Yeah, I yeah. didn't see that one. Dude, put on some... Yeah. He got, he got shredded. He's
1: like Jim from The Office as a bodybuilder. Um, exceptionally good movie. Highly recommend it. Does it was... live up to the hype? Yeah, it okay. really does. It was... Um... An awkward movie, because it is really quiet, so you hear everything that's going on in the movie theater, but... um,
0: Not quiet like it's void of soundtrack or something like that?
1: It's all like, I think, uh, ambient sound. There is a soundtrack, but it's very... There's just long stretches where there's no sound in the movie.
3: Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah, it's. I thought it was pretty daring. Sir. So if
3: someone orders chips, they just became public
0: enemy number oh, one. Oh, you were
1: here in popcorn all over the place. <laughs> oh man, uh, that
0: sounds so annoying.
3: But it
1: was it, the, the movie, at least for me, engrossed me so much. I didn't, you know, you were able to zone it out, but
0: uh, it's really good. That's cool. Is it uh, worth going to the theater, or should it be like wait for Netflix type thing?
1: I think it's good enough to go to the theater. I think it might actually be a movie that's better experienced at home, though, because it's so quiet you have more control of your soundscape
3: at home.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
3: Now, because it was so quiet, I have a quick question because it was so quiet. Uh when things when there I'm sure sh- I'm assuming there's jump scares because mm-hmm. it's a movie, movie, yeah. Um did they did they ramp up the audio of the soundtrack like like really make the audio so loud? That was the part that was supposed to scare you along with the visual or was it more like the visuals were the the yeah. key player in those jump scares?
1: You know, it's hard to tell because it felt like it ramped up tremendously, but it, I bet it was probably quieter than most jumps a scare sounds, but it's just the baseline volume of the movie so low that so it okay. was both.
3: It was always jarring because the movies was so quiet. It so. looks interesting. I'm actually kind of like, I think I was supposed to go see it last week and the plans kind of fell through, but it looks really cool.
1: Yeah. And then on the flip side, I watched, well, like 20 minutes of a movie called American Poltergeist on Netflix. Everyone do yourselves a favor and do not watch this movie.
0: Was that a straight to video or a, a uh, service?
1: I mean, I've, I could only hope. I pray to God it was a straight to. like. Actually, I actually <laughs> pr- hope it was someone's like high school senior film because um, it was really bad. The acting was wooden. I didn't understand the story because I don't think they had one. They were just sort of making it up as they went along.
0: <laughs> Is there a poltergeist or an American anywhere in the film?
1: There are Americans. Yeah, multiple. I, maybe there is a poltergeist. I might not have made it far enough. So I was like, I feel like I'm just, my brain's bleeding from it's this. It's Schrodinger's movie. Yeah. You I, don't know no. until you watch it. I, I don't even know the last time I stopped watching a horror movie because I know that there's a certain, you know, element that are terrible, but this is terrible even considering that. So do not watch it.
0: Give that movie a
3: wide berth. Yeah. Okay. And
1: then they made a second.
3: Oh, no. Yeah. That's not saying much, though, in the horror genre. Anything can get a second, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Anything else?
1: Um, is that not enough? No, that's plenty. <laughs> I just wanted to be anything else. Uh, all right, one last one, because I watched a ton. I watched uh, Annabelle Creation uh, to follow uh, up to yes. our Dolls episode. It's way, way better than the standalone Annabelle movie. No it's shit. actually a really solid movie. I thought it would be stupid, because it's a prequel to a spinoff. It, but uh, it's a tremendous movie. I mean, very, very passingly involving a doll, but...
0: Is it clear that the doll is the, the no, main evil? The doll, yeah, does it answer the question, is it a demon or ghost lady?
1: It's a... I mean, yes and no.
0: <laughs> oh, but <laughs> so it's better. It is considerably
1: okay. better. Um, this the, the whole story, I think of the Conjuring universe is convoluted because they're trying to make a Conjuring universe, like this shared universe of all these monsters, which I think is a cool theory, but they're not Marvel. They're not pulling it off nearly as well. So sometimes it just comes across convoluted.
3: How would that be convoluted? Because aren't these all based off like legit incidences that happen in real life?
1: Um, I think it is based on a true story, in so much as like some like one percent of the story is probably based in reality. But like, and they only say that on. So they're certain trying to ones. connect
3: everything. Yeah, where there's actually no connection between the different events.
1: Yeah, like Annabelle creation is completely like made up. That's not based in a true story in okay. any way.
0: Yeah. yeah, I don't know if there's any historical context to the nun from Conjuring Two or no. the Crooked Man, which is another sh- offshoot they're going to be doing soon. I don't think so. Yeah. So, so it's like they took the Ghost Hunter team and then decided to make up stories for them, I guess. Kind of like the X-Files almost? Yeah, I like, so. Yeah, kind
1: of like that. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think it was a good movie. I recommend it. I, the plot. Well, I enjoyed Annabelle, yeah. so if you say it was
0: better than that. I really liked it. I, I'll check it out. If it's better, I'll definitely check it out because I was kind of 50-50 on that one. So that's yeah. interesting. I thought it was a step up. Uh, I finished The Exorcist book. Oh, sweet. Finally. It took a while, but I got there. He he had to learn how to read. (laughs) That was what took so long. Once he mastered that. I got uh, hooked on phonics and uh, (laughs) got through it. But yeah, man, that book is good. It is. Um, As much as I enjoyed the movie, I would highly recommend the book over the film. Yeah. There is so much more going on in there. There's so much more um, building of the demon and Father Carras's relationship uh, it was really fascinating to read. Uh, you get more details into Father Carras; like they kind of hint that he's gay. Yeah, which was like surprising. Did they really, yeah, um, with another priest in the parish.
3: Well, um, I mean. You say surprising. There's a big history of priests well, being I gay mean, in a versus way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Versus oh, the movie where it wasn't even foreshadowed. Also
1: like 40 years ago, you know. It's yeah, pretty... no, no
3: doubt. But I'm just saying like the, the church has a
0: history of yeah. that kind of stuff going on. So we get a lot more of his backstory, a lot of his mental workings of him trying to determine if this is in fact um, an exorcism uh, required situation or if it's all made up. And there, there was also, they were also alluding to uh, telepathy and being able to control uh, telekinesis, I guess telepathy and telekinesis being kind of an accepted norm, like when he's going through, it was like, oh well, this is a, a, a this may be a case of telepathy. We saw this happen <laughs> back here, and I was like, wait, yeah. well, did people in the '60s really buy into that?
1: There's a, I, there's a lot more universe building in the book for sure. Yeah, I think it would have dragged down the movie, though. You know, it's probably true, yeah. and,
0: and I, I'm not faulting the film at all for what they cut out, but you do get so much more. Um, uh, the, the, the investigative detective, he
3: mm-hmm. gets
0: fleshed out a lot better. Yeah. Okay.
3: So that, would that actually sounds,
0: excuse me, <clears throat> that actually sounds
3: interesting. Cause that was always a character. I thought that they just kind of like, yeah, oh, he here, didn't make a lot of sense go, in you're the going. film. And I was like, Whoa,
0: man, what's his deal? Right. He's, he's actually got a pretty interesting story. He knows that Reagan killed, oh, man. uh, Burke. I might have yeah. actually to read this then. Yeah. because I would definitely sounds, recommend it. Okay, cool. So that, yeah, highly recommend it if you hadn't read it. Like me, check it out. You may end up loving it. I also saw a film on Netflix called Last Shift. Um, it's a film about a cop. Yeah, her I first saw this day one. on the force. Um, her whole station has uprooted itself and moved into a new new building, and she's tasked with staying behind in the old station, uh, watching over a lot of the crime scene um, evidence. She's left. Well, let me one- let me guess. Some of that evidence might be haunted. Well, you're close. In one of the jail cells, <laughs> there was a mass hanging suicide by a demon type cult and so all all the people from it. the cult hung themselves in that cell correct so it's actually it's a it's a pretty low budget film but they did a very good job with it mm. um it even ties back to her father being a policeman who was murdered on the job um there's some there's some stuff going on with it so yeah. it's on Netflix definitely worth checking out i recommend it
1: it's a good one yeah it it has a real like a horror version of Assault on Precinct Thirteen kind of vibe.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That, man, these actually sound pretty decent.
3: Like yeah. I didn't watch near as much. I did see Insidious. Oh, what'd you think? I was at a friend's house and uh, watched it. Um, I really liked it. I when I first started watching it, I was like, okay, this old chestnut, you know. But then I was like, oh, this is this is a different take on it. And I thought a lot of their jump scares weren't forced. I thought mm-hmm. that they were really well done. I thought they did a great job of building suspense visually which i'm always a big fan of instead of like just yeah. blaring like loud noises at me like actually being like you know let the let the visuals kind of do the scaring and but it was enjoyable um evidently there's a second one that is pretty decent i'm told
1: yeah i think they're up to three there's a,
3: now yeah there's a third one too oh wow so i'm i'm gonna eventually grow the balls to to watch <laughs> the second one because the first one did visually kind of like like give me a bit of a,
0: a scare. So it was kind of like, all right, I think I'm good for a while. Well, tell me if I'm correct because uh, we brought up Insidious one time on the podcast and I said, is that where he like astral projects himself yes, out into space? that is, is the movie. That okay. Yes, that's the one where he basically, he has the ability to astral project and
3: it's, it's really complex, but yes, it actually, they did pretty good um, justice by the science of it. Well, the science of it, I say science, mm-hmm. but you know, like <laughs> the concept of, you know, astral projection and the way they actually incorporated that could have been extremely simplistically cheesy but they actually did flesh it out well and they kind of put like um a valid backstory to how it works with the different um i don't want to give anything away but like how it how it works with you know within the story so very uh pretty good so you guys have any other bits of news before we move on um yeah actually i can talk about the uh the website that's up all right so we have the uh the grave talk website which is thegravetalk.com. dot Yes. Um, it's it's up, it's got all sorts of cool stuff on it. It's got bios about us, it's got upcoming events, it's got photo galleries, it's got all of our episodes. So if you want to go there, you can listen to them there. I think it links to our SoundCloud. Yeah, Springboard for all the
0: places you can find it, iTunes,
3: yeah. It's Stitcher. kinda like a hub. It's kinda yeah. like a hub. If you want to like check out, you know, like any of the events, upcoming, you know, notes. We have we have updates every time we put up a new episode, we have the episode art. Um, we have some some galleries from Frightmare that are going to be on there. I believe we've got some reviews. Uh, Mark, you've got your Killer Clowns from Outer Space Blu-ray review, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And I've also got a review of my experience with uh, The Devil and Father of Mort, where the director from The Exorcist came out and discussed... His film, along with a little bit from the Exorcist, so you can check that out there. Yeah, that's a that's a written review, or is that a video review? Written review with some photos. Okay, and we'll have some video stuff eventually too. Um,
3: I think we'll have like links to our YouTube channel where I think we can you can see what do we have like kind of like
0: a t- time lapse of us at Frightmare. Yeah, a walk through video about two and a half minutes of what the experience is like for us. Um, we're considering doing some other. Video projects, maybe to deal with some of the older NES horror games, uh, maybe PT at some point. I would love to Ooh. see you guys play that. Uh, yeah, well, mm-hmm. seeing me play it, more so, like seeing me scream like a
3: small Asian princess. That's what everybody um, wants, man. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Yeah. So yeah, thegravetalk.com is up. Uh, you can check it out. Um, it's kind of just a central hub for everything us, and you can still find us at all the major um, podcast locations, but you know, if you want to just kind of have a single point of contact, that's where it is. You can contact us there as well.
0: All right, how about a little more news before we get started here. Um Ash versus the Evil Dead television series got canceled. Uh last episode ran April 29th. Um shortly after that, uh Bruce Campbell came out and said he's going to retire Ash. So this may be Likely the last time we get to see him don the chainsaw and boomstick. Well, we also heard Ben Affleck say
3: he'd never do a superhero. We also heard Harrison Ford say he'd never play Indiana Jones again. And here we are. So I like your optimism. I feel like when they they back a dump truck full of money up to his
0: house, he'll be like, well, give me that fucking chainsaw. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But he is getting old, so I totally understand maybe where he's coming from. You know, Robert Downey Jr. said, I'm going to do it until it gets humiliating or something with Iron Man. So. Um, who knows? I think he's still doing a great job. Season three has had its ups and downs. It's had some really hilarious, like, holy shit, I can't believe they did that moments. Um, they've had some scary moments, but then there's been some lulls in the story. It's like, oh, okay. Um, we could have picked it up here a little bit. Just because Ash is going to be retired doesn't mean Evil Dead has to stop. Um, we've had that remake from 2013, 2014 that they could totally build on. I think we've all seen at this point. I'm just saying we remake Evil Dead with Adam
3: Scott. <laughs> that remake was great. We did an episode on it. We did? Yeah. Did we not? We touched on it. No, we mentioned We, we mentioned, it mentioned it a little little bit. Yeah. how you guys said I should watch the remake because okay. it was way scarier than the original. Oh, and yeah, that is. is true. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. But okay.
1: I mean, to I, scratch all that.
3: <laughs> I never watched the TV show. I, I'm not a huge Evil Dead, Army of Darkness fan, but <clears throat> it kind of bums me out to hear that the, the show is already over because- I know that character in that series means a lot to a lot of people. And I want to say, even if I'm not into something, I just, I feel bad for people to lose something they really like. So it's kind of upsetting to hear that. But hopefully, I hear it did really good on Netflix. So hopefully maybe they'll, them
0: or someone else will pick it up and we might see a, a bit of a resurrection for it. In the workings of the television show, they've introduced Ash's daughter. Um, and she got her hand chopped off. So they really honestly could continue the show. Like father, like daughter. Without Ash. <laughs> um, other news. We've got Guillermo del Toro got greenlit for a... You want to say that name again? Guillermo del Toro. There we go. Some more to tell. <laughs> Someone else say his name, Garrett. Um, Mr. Del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> slick. <laughs> Mr. Del Toro's uh, project for a film adaptation of "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark" got greenlit. Um, so that's exciting. That's one of my favorite uh, ghost story books as a kid. This is really exciting to me. Not for the
3: fact that, like, I think there's insane, goodly, insanely good content to like. Really, they, they can make something cool off the stories and stuff like that but if anybody's going to really nail the visual style of that artist from those books, Del Toro is going to try. He's going to, he's going to shoot for the moon on that. And I honestly don't want to see what he does. I, those, those pictures still to this day, mess me up from when I was a kid. And to imagine Del Toro or whoever he has in charge of the visuals, I, oh
0: man, it's going to be, it's going to be rough and I'm really excited to see it. It's going to be fantastic. Um, For those of you that don't know, Mr. Del Toro owns a lot of the original artwork from Alvin Schwartz. Oh, really? Yeah.
3: Um,
0: He's had those on display on his Twitter. I follow him on Twitter. uh, He he posts a lot of them. Is
3: Alvin Schwartz the writer or the artist? Oh, you're right. Stephen Gamble.
0: Stephen Gamble. Yeah. Gamble does the artwork. You're correct. You're correct. Uh, So, yeah, Stephen Gamble's work is what uh, he owns in his personal collection. Um, I really would like to do a a a podcast at some point about talking about that. Maybe some other folklore type stories. Well, there was a documentary about that. There's one coming out. Yeah, this year. Um, they're going to go into depth about maybe the impact of the stories in schools. You know, because it was kind of a controversial book. Um, Oh yeah, no,
3: they they took it off the book fair for a while. I remember that because I grabbed mine, and the next year, um, my friend Jeff could not get it because they didn't have it at the book fair for two
0: years. That's wow. crazy. And they
3: finally brought it back. And I think they took out some of the
0: pictures of it. They completely changed the art at some point. Well, that was
3: later on. That was a rights issue. Okay. But um, I think like when the book first came out, they actually toned down some of the art because it was pretty intense. For elementary school, it was very intense. I think my mom saw it and was like, where the hell did you get this? And I was like, from school. The
0: library. And uh,
3: <laughs> it was it was pretty awesome. But yeah, I think we definitely should do a, um, a quick episode about that in the future.
0: For sure. So uh, yeah, two big scary story projects on the horizon to look forward to. Um, we'll keep you up to date as more details come on that. So why don't we go ahead and get into the movies of the day? Hellraiser. 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 That was beautiful, Mark. <laughs> I'm going to follow beautiful. that up, Mark. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go apply to Motorhead to be a singer. I heard they had an <laughs> opening. Rest in peace, Lemmy. R.I.P. Lemmy. Um okay 1987's Hellraiser directed and written by Clive Barker uh stars Doug Bradley as "quote unquote Lead Cenobite that's what it says on IMDb Right
1: Clive Barker hates the name Pinhead he no finds yet. it demeaning Wow Yeah
0: really Yes okay.
1: hates it hates it hates it
0: I thought maybe he hadn't gotten names yet but you're telling me Pinhead's more of like a uh no, a he, fan name No he he
1: has a real name that I uh don't know off the top of my yeah. head because it was like talked about in some comic or something. We are Hellraiser comics, by the way. Oh wow. So yeah. Nodge well, Bomb a, number that's two.
3: A, that's <laughs> the same thing with Michael Myers in Halloween. He was just called the figure. And everyone eventually called him Michael Myers, but like in the credits, he's listed as the figure or something oh. like that.
0: Interesting. So yeah. the more I know. <laughs> so <laughs> Doug Bradley is Pinhead slash lead cinnabite, Andrew Robinson as Larry, Claire Higgins is as Julia, Ashley Lawrence is as Kirsty, and Frank. Surprisingly, played by two different actors. Uh, human version was Sean Chapman, and Oliver Smith was the demon, bloody, skinless guy.
3: Oh, I wonder why they had two different actors know. for
0: that. It's a good question. Maybe, um, maybe Frank just didn't have the range. <laughs> You're
1: great alive, terrible dead.
0: <laughs> maybe it was in his contract. I ain't putting on that Vaseline goo. Yeah, that maybe, could be it. Yeah. Might be it. that mind. was that was some heavy ass makeup? Yeah. It's gross, man. Um, Beautifully gross. So here's what the back of the box has to say about Hellraiser. From beyond the outer darkness, from the blackest corners of a family's past, from the nightmarish realm, the imagination comes Hellraiser. An old family home holds untold mysteries and horrors for Larry Cotton and his wife, Julia. Floorboards that rattle, rooms that absorb blood, the heavy and haunting air of things long past and better left forgotten. All fueled by the fugitive spirit of Larry's brother, Frank. Who hovers halfway between this world and the next, between pleasure and excruciating pain, and between family devotion and a deadly instinct for survival. Slowly, the old family home begins to swallow the Cottons, and there is no escape. From secret alliances and murderous seductions have been made, which propel the Cotton family into the horrifying and shocking conclusion of Hellraiser. Wow, that was exceptionally long-winded. Yeah. I thought so, too.
1: Floorboards that rattle is like the least important thing that happens in that <laughs> yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. Like...
0: Maybe that uh, wasn't quite cliche enough in 1987. So Make sure to include that in the box. <laughs> As we go through this movie description and kind of talk
3: about the, the, the issues or the, the things we've noticed in it, really pay attention to the plot line and really think about kind of how fucked up... Clyde Barker was when he wrote this. Oh, yeah. There's some issues here that I got to wonder, was this dude working stuff out on his own? Like, <laughs> was this somewhat autobiographical in any form or fashion? Because there's a, there's a lot of heavy-handed stuff in this.
0: Or he might have been on heavy uh, drugs or something. It uh, was whatever, the 80s. Whatever
3: it was, there's there's quite a few running themes that I'm just like, <laughs> dude, therapy, man, straight up.
0: Yeah. This is therapy.
3: (laughs) It could very well be.
0: So, Clive Barker is a name that came up a lot uh, growing up. I've seen his name attached to video games, movies, other franchises, and such. And and I just wanted to know if you guys had any um, additional details on what he's been up to other than Hellraiser. I think he was involved in, like, Candyman, I think.
1: Yeah. He was also involved in Night Brood,
3: Night Breed.
0: I think Nightbreed is what it is. that was
1: a pretty good movie. They came out in the early 90s. He was like,
3: he had a ton, a ton of like his fingers in a lot of pots. You know, kind of how like we see movies nowadays is like from the makers of Saw and they made just to basically develop an idea or like produce it or something like that. I think we saw a lot of that from Clyde Barker. We also see the same thing for... um, uh, the guy did the thing, uh, John Carpenter.
0: Right, his name gets attached. He's attached a lot of stuff. A lot of yeah. stuff. Was, um, he was originally a, a novelist, right? Clyde Barker was a writer. Yes, yes. Okay.
3: Because, and we'll we'll talk about as we get into the Cenobites, the um, the creepy S and M, BDSM, um, you know, monster things from these the Hellraiser movies. He, he, I read a little bit of the backstory on it because I was super intrigued by these characters, and um, it's completely different than what's in the film. So I'm interested to talk about that. So as we get closer yeah. to those guys. I'll bring up a few things.
0: Um, so anyway, um, this movie starts off with a Frank out in, looks like, some Middle Eastern area or Asian area. I want to, yeah, I want to say like, Istanbul or something like that. Yeah. Um, he's purchasing a box. And this box is very specific to the franchise. Uh, you're going to see it probably every movie ever, yeah. right? Yeah. What was it called? was called the, the, the Cuba box. Lament or something. The Lament. The Lament. Lament
1: Configuration.
3: The Lament Configuration. That's what it was. Okay. Great name, by the
0: way. That's a very good name. And all the intricacies and detail on the box are pretty cool. Oh, fantastic box.
3: Yeah, the special effects in this movie,
1: especially for the time, I think are tremendous. Yes.
0: And wet and gooey and gross. and
3: disgusting. I'll be honest. We get to the part where Frank comes back after we kind of like get to that part. I literally squirmed in my seat like watching. I was like, oh, I was so impressed. I couldn't look away. But at the same time, I was like... Oh, what am I watching? It was it was definitely <laughs> disgusting, and, so, I, and it needed to be though.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Frank buys this box, and the next we see him, he's back in his. Well, um, hold on, real quick. I got a question about that. So he okay. buys that
3: box from, I guess, what kind of looks kind of like a, a merchant, like a street merchant. Yeah. Or something. He has got kind of what it sounds kind of like a like a Middle Eastern or kind of Asian accent. I can't really remember, mm-hmm. but um, he was like. It was, it was all, it, it always was. He's like, you know, is this mine? He's like, it always was. Like, he infers that this box was always meant for Frank. I think so. Do we ever find out? Does that ever pay off anywhere? No. Well, um, I mean, it loops back in the movie. Yeah, was it was loops say, back because he says it again to someone else at the end of the movie. Yeah. But do we know, are the, are the people who
0: get the... Maybe it's a situation the where the cube? box seeks you out.
3: Okay,
1: I don't know. Uh, I don't really touch on that too much, I think, yeah. in
3: future movies. There were so many questions that I had. And after seeing Hellraiser 2, I had even more questions about the cube. But we can get into all that later. But yeah, so Frank buys the cube, and it cuts back to Frank in the house where the ma- the story takes place. Yeah,
0: he's he's back. It looks like some maybe like Midwestern or uh, is it America? No, it's in, it's in Britain or London or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's, is it? it's okay. supposed to be in
3: London. It's in Europe,
0: okay. yeah. So he's back home in some suburban populated area where he's lit all these like candles ceremoniously he's sitting indian style trying to open this box it's your
1: classic ritual scene yeah you know.
0: absolutely which and
3: did did the guy tell him hey do this or is this everyone just kind of naturally like you know what i do i'm gonna light some candles and <laughs> sit in this like weird shape
0: i think he's just into weird shit yeah okay I think that's oh, what no it, like, he's encouraged definitely into weird him. shit yeah. we're gonna
3: we're gonna get into what frank's into and that's
1: i think it's what like why he was able to open the box because he you know how the he had like surpassed mortal pleasures and he's looking for some new shit.
3: Yeah, and that's kind of how the box comes to people, but because I mean the guy who sold it to him was like, Is this business or pleasure? Yeah. And he's like,
0: Pleasure. What if he said business? Like give oh, out of my what shop. Happens the fuck he then? did.
3: I would have to know everything about his company and what he
0: does for a living. Does it print out an instructional book? I'm like, <laughs> all right, if it's for well, business, that's what I was here's wondering I was like does they a guy throw
3: like, you out. If is it's it like business. Gremlins where the guy's like, All right, a couple rules, you have to sit in a square of candles? You know, like but no, he just grabs a box and takes off. And it's like, this must be very intuitive.
1: Or it's uh it's a puzzle, right? So you're supposed to figure all that stuff out on your own. That's true. It
0: doesn't yeah. seem like a tough puzzle, but I'll get into that later. Yeah, you, know, you
3: just gotta kinda rub it.
0: <laughs> yeah. We did an
3: escape room the other day, and I would have loved if we just walked into a room and there was nothing in it except for the fucking like
0: oh Lamentation yeah.
3: configuration. I'd be
0: like, i turn all right, around and I'm walk out. out. Just yeah. push the put the escape button on there. <laughs> you know, I'm done here. I lose. Um, Frank opens the box, and it uh, throws out chains and digs into his skin, and he is just ripped apart. Chains with hooks. They basically yes.
3: shoot out of the box. They hook into his skin, stretch him out, and then he is ripped to shreds.
1: Which becomes a calling card for this film franchise.
3: Mm-hmm. The the chains with hooks. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which is that a, is that a um, I'm, I know that he hates it, but we're going to call him Pinhead. Um, It's what he is. Is is that Pinhead's kind of like signature move or is that just something the box has a signature move of?
1: I think he uses them the most, but I feel like other Cenobites have done it too. Okay,
0: okay. So Frank is now missing. Uh, His brother Larry and wife Julia are moving back into this home. I guess it's been abandoned for, I think they say, a decade?
2: Oh, And Frank had
0: been squatting there. Um, they come in, and you can kind of tell immediately that there's some issues with the marriage between Julia and Larry, uh, at least by reading her or her, the looks that Julia's kind of shooting him as they're walking through, looking at the house.
3: Oh, Larry's an ass hat,
0: straight up. The yeah. dude is just kind of yeah, he's an ass he's a tool. Yeah. Um, so uh, Julia and Larry move in to this home, and their daughter, Kirsty, seems like she's back from school or something, right? It seemed like she was like out of school yeah, for a while, and like needed a college job.
1: or something, because she goes to live on her own. And she so. works at a
3: pet store. Yeah, so that's so weird. They, they have a phone call, and she he's like he's like I want you to come back for this. And she's like, No, Dad, I've got I got a job. I'm going to get a career. And then like you cut to her later on working at a pet store. And I was like, So that's your career, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like that's what you're going to get real indignant with your dad
0: about? I she's going
1: like, to be the assistant manager one day, okay? <laughs> so
0: do you want the fish on the right or the fish on the left? Let me get my scuba, and you can take him home. Hold on.
3: I like how it's in London, but yeah. London just has the real heavy <laughs> Brooklyn accent. There I goes all of our pet star listeners. <laughs> so they they move into the house. Uh, Larry and Julia move into the house. Yes. And Julia, like, wa- this house is beautiful. I mean, it's definitely it's with, a, li- nice with house. a little bit mm-hmm. of with a little bit of elbow grease. This thing could fetch a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. And they move into it. He's like, well, we'll get back on our feet. We can move into something nicer. I'm like, dude, this is a crazy nice house. There's like five floors or some shit. But um immediately Julia puts a cigarette out on the hardwood floor, and I'm like, yo, have a little class,
0: lady. No shit. I thought you were supposed to be some uptown lady, and you're (laughs) over here putting out cigarettes in your own home. she's in high society,
3: and she's like, hardwood floor, butts.
1: You can take the lady out the street, but you can't take the street out the lady.
3: (laughs) (laughs) They're kind of getting things together, and they know that Frank used to squat there. They know that... uh, Larry's brother Frank, the guy who got the cube originally, is a complete fuck up, a tool, a guy who was addicted to drugs. He didn't have a job. He was just basically, you know, just kind of like a waste of space in Larry's eyes. Yeah. Well, he he was squatting there, and they eventually find a room where there's um, uh, Frank's stuff, and Larry's like, oh, looks like Frank was here, and Julia was like, sleeping bag, like
0: a tote full of photos of him yeah. doing things with other women. Yeah. So um, so
3: the dad's like. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna go get this, you know, kind of set up and get things going, get the movers over here, and so uh, Larry leaves, and Julia's in the room looking at Frank's stuff, and then she kneels down and starts flipping through these pictures of Frank like banging like Asian hookers or something <laughs> like that, and just like some some weird kinky stuff, which you know, I was like, okay, get it, but she's looking at him like she's really into she's it. She's like, yeah, and I was like, yo, mom's a straight up pervert, so uh, yeah. I was like, okay, let's see where this character goes. And then you kind of... Is it that scene where you realize that her and Frank had a bit of a thing? I think that's when the flashbacks start up. Yeah. Oh,
1: that flashback scene. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah. Okay, let's just jump to that flashback scene. Because she's looking at these pictures of Frank banging other chicks. And then she cuts to this flashback scene of Frank showing up at their other house. Larry's gone. He opens up. He's like, hi, I'm Brother Frank. (laughs) Can I come in? And she's like, sure.
0: Frank. (laughs) Oh, hi, Frank.
3: And then he comes in. And immediately he's just like, like alpha male, like just grabs her, starts making out with her, pulls out a switchblade, busts it open right in front of her face. I was like, there's nothing more than a woman likes to feel safe is with a switchblade in her face. Cuts her bra strap and they just start fucking. Like rabbits. And they're supposed to be getting married. Like uh, uh, Larry and Julia are supposed to be getting married like in a week or so. Or I, or
0: I feel like they just got married. Yeah,
3: it's very so they, near uh, their wedding. It right, just, right around the same time. Yeah. And so Frank's just like, fuck it. And Julia's just like, fuck it. So they just start going at it. And it's uh, Frank's just like, you belong to me now. No one touches you but me. And it's like, okay, this is kind of creepy. Yeah. And so I got
0: to think that Frank has done this to Larry before. <laughs> know,
3: there's, some history, there's some history here. <laughs> Either that, or it's just like you know, like you were just married though. Like if you're that willing just to fuck the next dude who pulls a switchblade on you, yeah, she's trash. Maybe, maybe don't get married. Maybe or just keep it single. She's just doing it for
1: the money though. I'm telling you, I got a whole Is head. Ca- I don't know. I got a whole head cannon. Tell us your Julia. head cannon, please. Right? Yeah, I told you. You know, she was. Uh, she grew up poor. <laughs> she got in with Larry, and was like, "Yo, I'm all right. I'm hooked up now." But she never loved Larry. There was no love so you there. So you're saying it was just for the money. It was just for the money. That's why Frank just slid right the fuck in with no problem. Like, but I'm Yeah. Oh. No.
0: <laughs> trash likes trash. Yeah. So <laughs> wow, you guys. <laughs> so she was like,
1: you know, whatever. I'm just with this guy for the money. You look awesome, and uh, and just let you know, Frank hated and quit it.
3: Okay, you know what? If you're gonna pledge your undying loyalty to another man before you get married, just don't get married. So, John, maybe your your point was correct, but they get married. I think Frank disappeared after that, and she never like she never let that like little yearning go for Frank.
0: But see, I can't believe that uh, like a one time fling would thrust her into a world of murder. I don't know, man, because that doesn't make sense. Frank's dick game
3: must be on point because <laughs> or- she, he gives it to her, and she's just like. Yep, whatever you want. I, I will murder for that dick. Oh, no, we'll get to that in a minute. When she, when, <sighs> I when read a,
1: a uh, I'm DB piece of trivia, so that take it IDP? for what it be Yeah, that said, you know, uh, when they were thinking of names for Hellraiser, some like six year old lady in the back said, uh, what we wanted to name it, what a woman would do for a good fuck. <laughs> so, I like that.
0: There you go. That's good. Julia looks very 80s, like oh. excruciatingly 80s. The and I'm the, gonna skip the,
1: ahead, but like one of the hardest parts for me to believe is that she's able to bring so many people home just consistently like that.
0: Yeah, she brings a lot of dudes into yeah. the house.
1: Like I'm, I mean, she's not ugly by any like she's stretch. got a
0: pretty smoking bod though, but man. i like,
1: with all the 80s wear. Like nowadays, it just looks so. But like, that was a
3: time though. Back then, you could you could see past that and kind of be like, right. all right, you know, the under, 80s under the, look under the. Shoulder, shoulder pads you know I bet there's a nice back there or something like that but yeah no it was definitely she looked like uh um, I
0: get what John is saying though it's tough to believe that she was even considered pretty in the 80s yeah with this all that makeup and shoulder it pad was not a good look on. for her I mean I'm sure no. like in
1: regular clothes she would have looked great but what she looks she was better wearing... in movie
3: too when she has her hair down maybe all the guys maybe all the guys mm-hmm. were in it for the money John oh <laughs> they were trying Head to get cannon. her away boom keep it rolling
0: Uh, so at this point they're moving in and probably the moment of the movie that made me cringe the most is whenever they're trying to uh, move this mattress upstairs and there's a nail that is sticking out of one of the walls and it's just focused in on it and Larry scratches his hand against it
3: slices his oh well real quick as that's going on Julia's still roaming the house looking for like any whiff of Frank's cock, I guess, because she's like <laughs> having creep- deep
0: flashbacks, she's creeping
3: up in the <laughs> attic, having flashbacks of fucking Frank again. And she's up in the attic. So, yeah, Larry slices his hand open, runs up into the attic and is like, look what happened. He's feeling faint.
0: Yeah. He's like, I you can't know, look at blood or he, I'll he, pass out. He I mean,
3: does not handle be, it like a grown up. To he's be fair, maybe I understand why Julia was like, yeah. all right, I need a fucking man. Because that guy, like, ran in and he was like,
1: my hand. Yeah. I mean, by the time it would have taken you to get to the attic, you could have gone to a faucet, rinsed it off, wrapped it up. This
3: whole movie is based on poor (laughs) decision making. But Well,
1: I believe it because I think what they're trying to say, and I can't think of, like, a a good way of saying this, is that just Larry is a bitch. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Larry is a straight up bitch. That could have been one of the titles for the movie. (laughs) So,
0: Larry the bitch. So, while Frank's upstairs, he's showing Julia the wound. The blood is just... Pouring out of his it's hand, gushing like a out of, faucet, the top of his
1: hand. And I'm like, humans don't
3: bleed like that, not like, in the <laughs> least.
0: And it's p- spattering all over the floorboards. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's like pressure washing. Yeah. Yeah, and
3: he's still just holding it out for like, and she's yeah. just looking at it like,
0: oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That's gushing blood. And like, it's Larry, like, Larry, I think something. there's something seriously wrong with you. You may have a, something far worse <laughs> yeah. than a scrape is here. Is your
3: blood pressure like one million? <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> he's on like 90 aspirin, but um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so the blood's all over the floor, and this. Part I have a question about. I so the have blood, a question here too. The blood goes on the floor, mm-hmm. and as the blood seeps into the, the wooden floorboards of the attic, um, it basically gets sucked into a heart, and it's, it, you find out it's Frank's heart that's been living underneath the floorboard. Which
0: didn't make a lot of sense to me, unless like one of the Cenobites put it there.
3: Or maybe yeah, they just that's probably what it. happened. Maybe yeah. they just forgot it, and it was in the floorboards. But again, <laughs> I was like, I was like, is the, I, at first I thought, is this house haunted? Does it have a heart? Is is the house oh. like Frank now? And then I realized, no, that wasn't it because gross. as they leave, the blood from Larry's wound basically makes Frank kind of reconstitute himself in this terrifying like corpse, yeah, decomposed so skeleton meat and it was puppet. a long sequence. It was insanely long and honestly I know why because there was so much effort put into those special <laughs> effects but it was gory, disgusting and insanely well done but um so Frank kind of reconstitutes himself into this weird like decomposed corpse thing with no skin and barely any muscle.
0: And he can't walk yet, right? He's, no, he's kind of crawling around on the floor. Forward. Yeah.
3: And then he sees a rat and he, like, eats a rat because evidently, like, eating other things or, you know. And he's just the blood of living yeah. things
1: empowers yeah. him. Oh, yeah. well. That was a question like, I had.
3: reconstitute himself. And
1: yeah, so she didn't have to kill men. She could have killed, I mean, really anything.
0: And we'll get to that. But I yeah. was going to ask. Like, I didn't see her. She could have went to the pet store that Kirsty worked at and <laughs> bought 18 dogs and She's been gonna done gonna with it. She's
3: going to get a discount, too. Yeah. yeah well, her daughter works there. So. Oh, and Kirsty and uh, Julia have a very strained relationship. Like, yeah, they basically hate each other. Julia, well, Julia hates Kirsty, And yes. I think Kirstie's like, I'll be nice, but she's kind of being a bitch to me, Dad. And he's like, just make it work. You know, <laughs> she's like the love of my life. And it's like, oh, Larry, you.
1: With uh, such a glowing personality that she's shown, I could see how she
3: really wraps up Oh, She's Larry. as cold as like a fucking cinder block, uh, man. Yeah. She's yeah. horrible.
1: I mean, that movie. I, <laughs> I assumed she was acting. Her so, and Frank deserve each other.
0: Yes. I'm just going to call it. Let them have each other. You know? So her
1: acting is so great because she was able to suppress every piece of emotion or you know <laughs> facial expression.
0: The other half of the time, she's just screaming. Yeah. That's, that's all she does in this film. Um, so Frank is reconstituted during a dinner party uh, where Larry is just making very poor jokes. Um Let's talk about that dinner party before we okay. get to what
3: happens next. So this, that's going to kick off the you whole mean, Hellraiser aspect. So you mean how Kirstie seemed
0: to be infatuated with a man who puts a cigarette in his mouth?
3: He has a cigarette that's almost out. He whips it backwards inside his mouth, closes his mouth with the lit cigarette butt in his mouth, looks at her, smiles, and then whips it right back out, and she just gets wet. I mean, she's just like, ooh, there he is, right there. Whoosh.
0: It was the best acting she did in the film.
3: And then, like, the same guy whose cigarette butt impresses Kirsty, which was first off, like, dude, you gotta find a better like opening move. Maybe he doesn't. It worked. Well, I mean, the one time we saw it, it worked because he's like, he's like, "Do you want something to drink?" She's like, "No, because I might get, I, I, won't be able to sit up if I do." And then Kirstie's dad goes, "Maybe that's for the best." <laughs> like, like straight up, be like, "Yo," Wait, she's Larry gonna, said that. Larry said I that. Thought that was the weird cigarette no, guy. That was Larry. Larry goes like, "Well, you know, if it happens, it happens." It's like, dude, you just basically gave this dude permission to fuck your daughter at a dinner party. Okay. Grody. It was Larry. the 80s,
1: different time. No, He's grody. probably on coke. I don't
3: care if it was the <laughs> 60s, 70s, or whatever. You don't basically be like, it's okay, honey. Get sloshed
0: if you can't sit up. is going to take like, care of you. Larry's more like Frank than we realized.
1: Yeah, all, oh. Birds of a feather, man. They're yeah. both fucking tools. So. Uh,
0: Julia finds the reanimated uh, Frank upstairs. And yeah, after the dinner party, she goes upstairs because yeah. she's kind of like, I'm done with this shit party. Yeah, it sucked. I would have left best too. decision Fuck that party. she made, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's upstairs and starts freaking out about this bloody mess on the floor screaming her name. Uh, which is correct she hears a noise that's the right she reaction goes, yeah. yeah she hears a noise she goes up there and then like as she's looking around like Frank kind of
3: like Lieutenant Dan pulls himself out of the dark shadow <laughs> and he's like Julia it's me you ain't Frank. got no legs Frank and, yeah and so it's just like he's just like and she's just like oh my god Frank and he's like don't look at me don't look at me don't
0: look at me don't look at me
3: I said don't look <laughs> And so, she. Yeah, what what,
0: is it, what happens next? Does she? He basically tells her, "I need more um, murder."
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I need I need, I need people more to. <laughs> I, need, I
0: need death and like blood to like
3: reconstitute myself. But don't look at me. Don't look at me. And then immediately she's like, "Cool, I'm on it."
0: Well, yeah. she's hesitant at first, and then she comes back later and says, "Okay, I'm in."
1: She's like, "You, yeah, you she's know what? I was listening to for about to an Larry. hour and a
3: half." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <She> goes, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck this, I'm in." She goes downstairs, <laughs> takes one look at Larry, he's
0: like, "Fuck him, I'm gonna go kill."
3: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she brings back the first victim to the house, and during this time, you know, Kirsty's doing her own little. Side Hersky business. Stuff, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, we do need to make mention they flash over to her working at the pet store, and some creepy ass homeless man comes in and starts eating crickets out of the cricket bin.
1: Oh, yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Um. And he'll
0: come back later.
3: But yeah. So, like, some creepy dude comes in, eats crickets, and then she's like, You have to go. And he's like,
0: Okay. And he, like, <laughs> leaves. And then he, like, kind of disappears. And she's like, That was weird. I thought he was creepier than, like, Frank without skin. Like just his look, his like mannerisms. Oh, a very scary homeless man. Yeah, yeah. They cast that well. Oh yeah,
3: that dude. That dude basically like was definitely. You he was know, probably creepy. like a
1: legitimate homeless person. They're just like, <laughs> come here real quick.
3: <laughs> and so at this time, Julia is out at a bar, pulling down a a one night stand to basically rent to the house to have Frank kill. They get there, and this dude like, is it the first guy or the second guy that she brings back? This just kind of like. Look, you called me back to fuck. Are we gonna do this or not? I was a time. Oh, I was like, I was like, my man, you know what? You do not look you do not look like the kind of guy who can pull this kind of ass (laughs) down regularly.
0: You better check (laughs) your tone, man. Yeah, he's getting pretty aggressive. Yeah. He looks like a businessman type. And then he
3: immediately backs down, like, I'm so sorry. I I didn't I didn't mean it. She's like, let's go upstairs and fuck in the attic. And then he's like, The
0: dirty, disgusting Uh attic. This (laughs) lady's supposed to be Uptown class, whatever. Yeah, like they're not gonna go fuck on a dirty you floor have in the attic.
1: To respect her game, this was pre-Tinder. I mean, she was meeting <laughs> all these people and just convincing them of some crazy shit.
3: True, Julia did have like a power mullet. Yeah, the 80s. she had like a, like a, one of those like hard-ass power mullets. <laughs> I was... think
0: that her and Frank should at least invest it in a mattress or two, maybe a couch, some ambiance to no. right. really lure these men in. Just lay oh, a something towel down. <laughs>
1: right on the floor,
0: dirty floor, cobwebs, and all rats. Nailed you know what the though? Wall. The most
1: realistic oh. part is that all the men were like, yeah, what Fs <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: They're just like like Are, Am I to
0: believe that men will fuck on a pile of dirt? <laughs> if, yeah. If it's free?
3: Yeah. My man, come on, you know the answer to that. <laughs> but yeah, so they they flash like he looks around the room and sees like rats nailed to the wall, gruesomely nailed to the wall. And I was like, all right, great. There we go. Let's continue the yeah, was- <laughs> the animals being like mutilated for Garrett.
0: So we had that. And then I don't think we've watched a movie yet that doesn't include some sort yeah. of animal torture. I barely
1: count rats, though, because I mean, they, rats are dying all the time. All the time. Yeah, but it wasn't still, a higher order animal I mean, like sure. a dog or a cat. I'm
3: also the kind of guy that when I'm like weeding in a yard and I like <laughs> see like a cricket like run by, I'm like, get out of the way, get out of the way. I just don't I don't i <laughs> okay, like I hurt okay. animals. So. I see
0: John's point. At least it was vermin versus like a pet. Yeah. Or something like lovable. But where do we draw the line, fellas? You Rats. Don't. Where do we draw them? <laughs>
3: <laughs> So anyway, like basically Frank comes out
0: and Well this is this is Julia's first murder and she Oh um, that's right, that's right. She takes a hammer to his head. Yeah, yeah. she
3: hits the guy with it's the hammer. Pretty
0: brutal <laughs> killing. Yeah, it's especially for your
1: first time, you would think you'd start a little lower on the brutality scale. But hey, you
0: do what you got to do. And why isn't Frank helping here? He should well, at least like grab his legs, bro. Frank, <laughs> Frank's a Frank's a delegator. Let's yeah, be honest. Frank is a pimp.
1: Okay, he's just like go out and get my blood. And I mean, like it, by the like logistical sense of the word, right? He is sending out Julia to go get him currency, which is blood, and and and, and just taking all of it. Not okay. like in the cool pimp. In so the he's real more like pimp. middle management. Again, let's
3: call it back. <laughs> Frank and Julia deserve
0: each other. Oh, totally. Um, so, yeah, this is her first killing, and she's kind of really struggling with it for a little bit. One thing I do want to mention is I read that this scene actually had to get cut. There was a, a much more brutal uh, hammer scene where the hammer gets stuck in his head. And they had gross. to pull it out, but to make the R rating, they had to yank some of that yeah. out. Yeah,
1: they cut a ton from this movie yeah. to get it from rate, uh, X to rated R. I
3: want to talk about that at the end of this, and mm. we get done with the, the plot because I have a lot of questions about this movie and stuff like that. So we'll get back to that. Remind me about that. But sure. So Julia kills him. Frank then um, absorbs the body. He's not. He's still like he's got full muscle and stuff like that, but he's still skinless. And he looks at Julia and he goes, "Come to Daddy."
0: Oh, it's one man. He goes from, don't look at me, to, I want to touch you. Come here. I'm all hot now. It's like, dude, you still don't have skin. See? It's making me whole again. Every drop of blood you spill puts more flesh on my bones. And
2: we both want that, don't we? (laughs) Huh? Good.
3: Come here. Come here, damn you. I want to touch you. No, She's still disgusting. like this But she does not hesitate. She goes in and she's like, all right, I'll put my fucking tongue in your mouth, skin or not. And I'm just like, that dick game must be on point because she just killed and now she's like, no skin? Let's go. You Let's know, violence,
1: uh, normally I learned from Demolition Man that <laughs> violence and sex are highly correlated. So maybe she just worked up <laughs> from killing everything somebody. Mark, everything I learned <laughs> from
3: Demolition Man. Oh my God. <laughs> Got some good stuff.
1: That kiss, though, was one of the more disgusting things I've seen in any movie
3: ever. Oh, it is passionate as hell, man. She's just like, she's into it, like, oh, thank God, Frank. And I'm like, he has no skin. And not to mention that, he has no skin and he goes, come to daddy. It would be uncomfortable if it were two,
1: like, if both of them were actual people, with one of them being a person (laughs) and one of them being some kind of monster.
3: It was like, (laughs) this is terrible.
0: Was that the first skinless kiss ever to be put on screen, I wonder?
3: Oh, maybe. Oh, I don't know. That's a great. That's a great
0: trivia Little piece question of trivia. Right there. Yeah, let us know in the comments. Oh god. So,
3: um, so she does that. So Frank's reconstituting himself. Kirsty comes back in the house at this point, right? So
0: a couple more killings go on. Frank's getting more There's and like more a of killing this,
1: montage. If you, will. it yeah.
0: seems like after every kill, he gets one of his senses back. Because then he's like smoking a cigarette. He's like, I can taste that again. Yeah. Oh, I'm starting to hurt. Then at one point, my... he looks like
1: Dark Man because he's got all that bandages on <laughs> his face, which was cool. Yeah. Um, Where did she get all those bandages?
0: So she, she
3: needed him to basically
0: cover like Larry's wounds because he's. <laughs> yeah. just himself
1: up all the time. Lucky for you, we have tons of surgical gauze. <laughs>
0: I went to Sam's and I bought all their goss because you're such a weak-willed human. Um, yeah. So while this is going on, um, we go through a series of kills. Frank starts coming back more and more. Larry's getting suspicious. He goes to Kirstie and says, there's something wrong with my marriage. Um, we need to- it,
3: it only took him 10 years to <laughs> yeah. figure that out. Multiple murders.
0: <laughs> 10 years and 10 murders. Yeah. And he's far- starting to clue on. Um so he basically asks Kirsty to go check out the house. And Kirsty witnesses Julia enticing one of these men into the house. Correct. She's like, oh, he's she's cheating on him. But then she goes in after them. Right. She goes upstairs, she confronts Julia, and Frank comes out. She screams and he's like, It's me, it's Uncle Frank. Remember me, baby? Oh, he goes, he goes, It's Uncle Frank. Come to
3: daddy. That is his like catchphrase. And he, he says, says it 18 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which means he said it to her before. And she would have been underage the Absolutely. first time he heard it. So we get the the inclination that Frank was like, I don't give a shit. I'm gonna fuck anything no. that'll let me. Yeah. Frank's not a good guy. No, not he's at all. a real piece of shit. Yeah. Absolutely. So at that point, like she she fi- she she finds out that Julia killed the person. She sees Frank. She meets Frank. Frank does his creepy shit. Come to daddy. Um, and a little bit before that, Frank has like relayed to Julia um like I escaped the, I escaped hell, you know, I'm kind of like on the run from the Cenobites, which Mm -hmm. are, you know, the Hellraiser people. Um, You know, we don't really know. Julia doesn't really know, but she's just kind of like, okay, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Um, But I guess the box, the, the cube also comes back with him when he escaped. And so when Julia goes up and sees all this, she finds the box. And then Frank's like, give me that back, put that back. And she chunks it out the window.
0: Right, as a distraction, and then he freaks right, out, and an she escape. is able to escape the room.
3: She runs out the room, and then she goes and gets the box downstairs. And
0: then there's this bizarre scene of her wandering the town like she's on some sort of drug trip, and there's all this like flowery imagery and weird like montages from like
3: the movie like Philadelphia with Tom yeah.
0: Hanks. It was just like, what are we doing? It felt here? out of place. I don't think like she would wander the streets that confused. You think you would immediately either a police, b dad you know what yeah, i mean but
1: instead it's let's just wander
0: wander right. the streets faint and then people stare well, at her maybe
1: she's in some sort of shock right you got to think well, maybe her mind like, she's not broke. handy
0: from child's
3: play yeah. all right she's a little time to process
1: this so cuz then she eventually collapses right she's like wandering she like collapses right and she
0: wakes up in a hospital right mm-hmm.
1: and then her with first with the cube still well naturally they're not going to take the well the, the, the cube. doctor
0: gives it to her <laughs> like maybe this will jog your memory and yeah. like hands her the cube and she solves it in 2 seconds <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: she's like i think i just need to rub here just wiggle this,
3: yeah. fucking solved. I, I've solved a lot of puzzles in my day. I've played a lot of video games with puzzles <laughs> in it and never have I just seen a random box and be like, "Oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna rub my circle finger. I'm gonna rub yeah. my finger in a circular <laughs> formation on this specific,
0: it's like, what And the this fuck? I'm going to foreshadow because when we get to movie two, I'm gonna bring this point up again. So anyway, she opens the cube immediately and the wall of the hospital opens up and boom, we finally get Kirsty's first introduction to the world of the Cenobites. Yes. yes, they
3: all show up and it's it's Pinhead. And it's the chatterer who- Which I
0: cannot laugh. Every time I see chatterer on the screen, I just start laughing to myself because I think (laughs) it's so silly him going-
1: it reminds me of, like, in cartoons when they'd have those little toy teeth that would chase
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, he just takes them out. The yeah. other night he pulls them out
3: and then sets them down. He's like, You're telling
0: it's, me Chatterers has dentures, dentures in? Dentures, yeah. chatter dentures."
3: <laughs> and then you, uh, you see the female Cinnabite, which I don't think has a name. Um, they called her Deep Throat Onset for obvious reasons. She has, like, a, a slit in her throat that looks like a vagina in her throat. Um, it's actress Barbie Wilde Correct But I can't remember that her character's name they, they, I think they call her like female Cenobite Cenobite, yeah They all
1: have real generic names And then there's
3: genies. the the one that's like the fat guy With the, the Shadow King glasses It's <laughs> a little X-Men reference for all you nerds out there um, And so they all four like come out And like Pinhead's like The box uh,
2: uh, You opened it
3: We came
2: It's just a bottle box Oh no It is a means to
0: summon us
2: Explorers in the further regions
0: of experience, demons to some, angels to others. It was a mistake! I didn't, I didn't mean to help
2: it! It was a mistake! You solved the box. We
3: came. Now you must come with us. Taste our pleasures. She's like, wait aren't you guys missing Frank? But Don't it's a you real big Frank? like
1: exposition dump. They tell you the whole story about, oh, we're angels, we're demons, we're this, we're that. But We've really, been called we, this, we
3: come yeah. from dimensions. Yeah. 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 Because they, they make it very clear that they're not from hell. Yeah, they're just but, like... But um, they're from a place that people would consider hell. Like uh, It's like their own personal little weird universe. And if you guys want to waste some time, go read the wiki, the wiki about the Cenobites because, my God... That is, like, massively, like, deep, and it's crazy. Yeah. Like, what's in the movie? There's a whole differs. universe here. Yeah, and, like, in, in part three, they completely rewrite the history of the Cenobites, and honestly, they should know because the origin of the yeah. Cenobite story is so much better. But anyway, so they kind of ex- exposition all this to her, and then she's like, wait, Frank escaped. I can get you guys Frank back. Which, first off, how did she know Frank escaped? She, she suddenly has access to information that she should not have had. Right. I don't think Frank told her any of that. No. no one told her any of this. She just suddenly is like, hey, I can get you guys, Frank. And they're like, really? Yeah. And it's like,
1: how did you know Frank was even connected to I this? That was a logic
3: jump for her. Maybe maybe because the cube came from Frank. Maybe she was like, oh, right. this has got to be connected.
1: And I mean, now Frank's this monster guy. She's seeing other monsters. She she. I mean, we're really reaching here, but maybe she just connected those two things.
3: Yeah, and the Cenobites are super cryptic, too. They just yeah. can't give you a
0: straight answer for anything. So, But t- by God, if they aren't well-designed, I like the look of all yes. of them.
3: everything about them. And, man, yeah, it's visually so great. It's, it's really interesting to kind of see all that. But um, so anyway, she convinces the Cenobites, like, hey, I can get you Frank back. And since Frank escaped from them it really on pisses his them own, off. they're like, fuck that guy. All right, deal. Let's go get this dude. And so, doesn't she go back to the house at this point? Mm-hmm.
0: Right. We go back to the house where she is now trying to lure Frank into a trap. So, Frank is actually
3: back at the house. Of this Not Frank. I'm sorry. Larry's Very, back at yeah. the house at this point. And he's like, all right. Shit's going down with my wife. So, he goes in, goes upstairs, finds them together. And he's like, Frank. And then Frank just goes nuts. Like, all right. Let's do I'm going to wear your skin. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah. dude, Frank, tone it down, you psycho. <laughs> um, I mean, so... They end up killing him, uh, killing Larry. Yep. And Frank puts on Larry's skin. So when Kirsty mm, really comes weird. back, she's like goes to Julia and sees Julia, and then she sees Frank with her dad's skin on, and she freaks the fuck out.
0: But she's got blood all over his head. <laughs> and yeah. she doesn't make mention one of like, Dad, why are you covered in blood? Yeah, she's not really
3: that perceptive she, at first. Kirsty's kinda dumb. She <laughs> flies into it straight up.
0: She finds out it's not her dad. After some heavy dialogue of Trank pretending to be Larry, he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Come to daddy. And she's like, (laughs) oh, no. I know those words. (laughs) Yeah. Those were told to me when I fainted last time. Um, You know one thing daddy's never said to me? Come to daddy. This might be Frank. I don't think anybody should ever say that phrase.
3: Agreed. Come to daddy? Especially not to your daughter. No. No. Uh,
0: Back up in the attic. in Frank's case. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Kirsty's trying to lure Frank back up into the attic. And on the way there, he's about to stab Kirsty in the stomach. She dodges out of the way and s- stabs Julia instead. In the process, Frank... Yeah, Frank stabs Julia. Yes. Correct. And then Frank sucks the life force out of her. Um- Bro,
1: he didn't even think twice. He was like, all yeah. right,
0: this is... Which I, I thought maybe he'd fix the tear in his skin because Kirsty scratched off his face a little bit. That's, but, one, that's one of the moments she knew that it was actually yeah. Frank. She, like, scratches yeah. the face. And so then, I would have sworn that, like, killing Julia in that fashion should have fixed up his face Well, or not something.
3: only that, he stabs Julia. And, of course, I mean, Frank being Frank doesn't bat an eye. He's like, no. all right, you know. Couldn't care less. Ladies are a dime a dozen. I got this. You know? But Julia's like, look at him, like, oh, my God, dude, you just stabbed him. And he's like, sorry about that. Anyway.
0: Ain't nothing personal. And then, <laughs> yeah. like, drains her. And
3: then drains her. And she's, like, pissed as she's dying. And it's like, holy shit. And then then uh Kirsty lures Frank back upstairs into the attic and then that's when the cenobites first come out.
0: Yeah. Um she lures Frank into a trap where the cenobites appear and they're like, "Frank, you thought you got away." That's a pretty good pinhead by the way. I'm yeah. I'm pretty impressed, Mark. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs>
1: Fooled, you. <laughs> <laughs> Fooled you. Just walk away.
0: Yeah. So Frank is recaptured here. Um, gets all the chain imagery, like you were saying. Seems to be Pinhead's signature move. His mo, yeah. yeah. And then he's like stretched out in very gruesome fashion, and then just says, "Jesus wept" and explodes.
1: He ad libbed that. The original line was supposed to be "fuck you."
3: Okay, oh, what a waste of a fucking line then, because he said Jesus wept and smiled, and I was like, "What the fuck is the point of this?" Like, who who gives a shit?
0: I had no idea why he said that, and I was going to ask what the meaning was, and now you just only told, told me it's meaningless. <laughs> I feel like as a director, I mean, maybe they just had him in he makeup, liked it and they're though, like,
1: apparently, because right, because the guy, the actor, said it instead of his real line, and Clive Barker was like, "Yeah, right,
3: good enough."
0: He should have said, "It hurts so good, boom." That's why we have script supervisors <laughs> to prevent stuff like that from happening. Yeah, I didn't like that line, uh, but that's not the end of the movie. No, because no,
3: Frank it's torn to shreds and then that, the attic is just littered with pieces of skin and dead body parts and stuff
0: like that. Um, I got a question about the skin because... The skin that's left on the ground in the room after Frank gets ripped apart? Well, just the process of regrowing your skin through murder. Okay. Well, he doesn't regrow the skin. He actually puts on skin like like a Buffalo right. Bill kind of skin <laughs> suit. Why didn't he just try to regrow his own skin back with like Julia? Maybe, Instead that's, of maybe that's the limitation. I don't know. Uh, in movie two, Julia grows her skin back. So. well, No,
3: no. In movie two, she doesn't. Remember, she pulls pieces off all the different bodies that are there and makes her
0: own...
1: Skin cloth, Julia, and, uh, lady suit. Quilt. She's not
0: that good of a seamstress to make her own face out of other people. Look, Man, you don't know what Hellraiser powers I guess I have. don't.
1: Yeah, she's got Cenobite like knitting powers. <laughs> we'll get
3: we'll get into part two, but yeah. she's we find out that Julia's got much more connected to the Hellraiser universe. Right. Than so
0: after Frank explodes and yells his dumb line, Jesus, wet. Christy goes into another room. We see that at some point Julia's been laid out on a bed. Her face is like flayed open with yeah. chains attached to it, so it's revealed like a bloody red skull with the chains attached to it. Um, and then they go outside, and everything is on fire. I thought the house was set on fire. I thought so, too. There's a chair on fire. There's piles of fire everywhere. They try to throw the box into the fire, and then the hobo shows up.
3: Right. Yes. The hobo shows up and turns into a bone dragon with the box. He takes, takes the, the box. box takes and flies the, it back the to the merchant. Yeah, takes the cube and they throw it into a well. Uh, Kirsty was it her boyfriend or just Kirsty
0: by herself? That's the idiot with the cigarette. Yeah, yeah, whatever the, that guy's her name boyfriend. Is. It's again.
3: What is? I mean, maybe maybe in the eighties, London, you just had to take what you could get. It worked for that guy, man. I, I respect his hustle. Frank's pulling down ass. The cigarette, but <laughs> yeah. the mouth guy's pulling down ass. I mean, you know. God. Oh, to be! It was a rough time back then. Yeah, oh, yes. to be alive in the or 80s. a great time. <laughs> they take they take the cube, they throw it a, a pile of fire. Like, oh, that'll take care of it, not realizing it's made of metal, you dummies. Um, and then the hobo shows up, walks in the fire, gets it, turns into a bone dragon, flies off, and is like caca screech, and you're <laughs> just like, wait, what the fuck? And then they're just and they're just kind of like, huh, that happened. Like Christy just kind of like, okay. She movie. was probably like, it's someone else's problem now. And then it cuts to the, the Asian, Turkish guy, whatever, whatever ethnicity ethnic the, the, the merchant. The merchant. Yeah, sorry. The merchant um, is all like, business, all pleasure. And the guy's all like, pleasure. And he's like, it's been always yours. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? So anyway, rinse and repeat. The cycle continues. So this cube finds a new victim going forward.
0: Maybe it was a situation where they didn't know if they were going to get a sequel. So they wanted to leave it cryptic. And then just never answered the questions. It could have been one of those stories just you know? like,
3: you know, designed to be cryptic. Like, you never know how long this has been going on. Yeah. And that actually plays a lot into like some of the, the later movies of how long it's been going on. But yes, the ending has this the, when the hobo turns into the bone dragon. That was one of those moments where it was like, that seems really out of place. For a movie with as much stuff that I've bought into <laughs> so far, that was where I was like, holy shit. So I actually did some research. That is actually a character. Oh, so at one point when Julia's running to the house to call it back. She's running on this long corridor, and there's this weird monster amalgamation thing with like a dog head and like weird body parts chasing her down this hallway, which actually, like when she runs through a doorway, she's back in the, the house. But um, she gets chased by this huge monster thing. So that is the head like master of the Cinnabite universe.
1: The engineer. Yes, You're talking the engineer. about that
0: lame puppet yeah. on wheels.
3: Yes. That thing is actually, like, the headmaster, if you will. Like, he's the one... Well, it's that
1: confusing, because in number two, don't we get the uh, the, the Leviathan? Correct. Which is supposed
3: to be the same thing, yeah. but a different format. But yes, they kind of changed a few things. But anyway, in the first one, you see that. So that bone dragon basically works for the engineer, the big monster puppet, and picks up the cubes and then you know continues yeah. the cycle for the engineer so he can keep getting new victims. Well okay. Kirsty
0: does have a slap fight with that rubber monster at the end while she's putting the cube back together. She
3: does have a slap
0: fight <laughs> with it. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh yeah, like reclosing the cube that sends all the cenobites back to hell so that's where they go. Yeah, yes. Okay,
3: so let's let's delve into. So that's basically the plot of Hellraiser 1, which at the time was insanely awesome. Even to this day holds up yes. amazingly well. I liked Hellraiser the movie. But the thing I had a problem with the Cenobites is the same reason I had a problem with the band Kiss. I had always seen images of the Cenobites and Kiss, and when I first saw Kiss, I was like, oh, this is going to be the hardest, most badass metal band ever. And then you finally hear them, and you're like, oh, these guys kind of suck. And then they're like, these guys don't even sound hard at all. So I had seen pictures of the Cenobites for so long, never seen Hellraiser. So when I finally saw Hellraiser, I was like, oh, these guys are going to be insane, and they just stand around and do dick all for most of the movie.
0: One and of them like, clicks his teeth.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, and then the female one just kind of like, hey, how's it going? And then the, the big fat dude just kind of like, doesn't say a word, just kind of But they deep. do
1: step their game up in later films.
3: They absolutely do. But like in the first one, it was such a letdown because I was like, oh, there they are. What are these badasses going to do? And it's just kind of like, hey, how's it going? You're just like, yeah. really? That's almost... it? it was such a letdown. It was the same letdown I how when I first found out that Kiss was not a hardcore metal band. I was like, oh, this is depressing. I
1: wonder like, if at the marketing material at the time, I bet the Cenobites were not like the main feature of the movie. I would not be surprised if they were like a breakout kind of star, and that it was really meant to mostly be about Julia and Frank and their creepiness.
0: Yeah, that's, pr- that's true. You never know what's going to hit with the audiences before it gets out there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So they filmed the movie on a one million dollar budget and made fourteen point five. That's not a bad. <laughs> not, return. Yeah,
1: not a bad return, especially for the eighties.
0: Yeah. So it uh, uh, birthed a sequel, unsurprisingly, and multiple sequels throughout this world. But we're gonna move right Hold into. Hold on, I got
3: a few questions about okay. the first one, and the, so the the cube specifically, <clears throat> you know, unleashes the the Hellraiser world onto you when you solve it. Yep. But then. Putting it back closed sends everything back to normal. Like, what a shitty delivery system. Like, this is, like, the worst. Like, you know, like, Pinhead's just like, I see you have the cube. Maybe the first thing you do is go get the cube from whoever has it. Because all they got to do is close it back up and you're done.
1: You got to, now, if you want to get to the expanded Hellraiser universe, Hellraiser 4 Touches on this and and it spans like a thousand years or some shit because it takes place both in the past and in the future. Oh, really? And has Adam Scott. And um, oh, that's right, Adam Scott's in four. You tell us about Uh, that. And it talks about how they made the cube and and I think tries to clarify some of these points. Okay,
3: then I will actually go check out four because I had a lot of questions about the cube because especially in two the cube does some other things and I'm like this is a very versatile tool. But if it's so easy to basically send the Cenobites back to like Hell World or whatever you want to call it, like just by like rubbing your fingers on it backwards and closing it yeah. up, you think the first thing you would do is when you're like, we're free, like the genie and the lamp, like you're like, we're free. Quick, get that fucking lamp from them. You know, it's oh, but like maybe there mm-hmm. are
1: rules to the universe. Oh, because we find in like Hellraiser 10 or whatever that there is a like good angel that's involved in this as well. I don't think so. we want to
3: pull any like lore from Hellraiser <laughs> 10 into the the original like story concept. <laughs> Just saying. So, yeah, who knows? I again, like- we should we should deep dive into like whether this was all written out or if this was something Clive Barker kind of fleshed out later. but. To be fair, the first movie, dude, Clyde Barker, you've got some issues. Like there was, I think he was working through a lot of personal things with the whole Frank, Larry, and Julia situation because that was prominent more than the like the torture stuff.
0: I had not seen any Hellraiser film until this year, and I've seen four of them now. Um, This one is probably my favorite so far. I thought this was pretty well done. I more would, than 2? This two? is my favorite as more well. More than 2, yes. Okay, all right. Uh, I would recommend this one. It's fun. I like kind of the silly dialogue that that Pinhead does. He, the the visuals of it are fantastic. It's got your gory, gooey mess if yeah. you're into that stuff. It's wickedly 80s. Yeah. And and the story's decent.
3: Yeah, it's I would recommend this movie like yes. heavily.
0: It's
1: my favorite of the Hellraiser's as well.
3: You too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to I liked Hellraiser 2 more. And we'll get into that when we start Hellraiser 2. Which is now. (laughs) It is a go.
0: We have such sights to show you. All right, let's move into Hellraiser 2, known as Hellbound. Hellraiser 2 from 1988. It's directed by Tony Randall. Again, we've got Pinhead Return, Doug Bradley, Ashley Lawrence as Kirsty, Claire Higgins, Julia, Kenneth Cranham as Dr. Philip Chouinard, and Emogan Borman as Tiffany. So, I didn't find many directorial credits for Tony Randall. The only thing that I could really uh, notate that he did is he did a couple episodes of The Power Rangers and <laughs> he did a direct to video movie called Amityville 1992. It's About Time.
3: Wow. Is this before or after he did Hellraiser 2? Well,
0: Hellraiser 2 was in 1988, and this one's called Amityville 92. Yeah, so Power Rangers were
3: in
1: the '90s. So, so
0: his Hellraiser two kicked off his career of Power Rangers and Amityville. It's possible. He, I think he did some other things before Hellraiser two, but uh, it, this one preceded Amityville '92. Which is a, the plot of that one is a dude takes home a haunted clock from the Annaville house and gets haunted. All right, let's stop. Let's get back to Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> putting two, that, that one on terrible. the
1: podcast list. Oh
3: God,
0: it's about time.
1: It's about look. It's Ooh. even got a pun in the title. Ooh, Gross.
3: Man. So Hellraiser 2, which was actually so far my favorite Hellraiser film we've watched. You're crazy. I liked this one more than one. One was amazing, but I liked this one more than one because it was just so much more crazy shit in it. And like the the kills and stuff were just that much better.
0: Well, here's what the box has to say about this one. Oh, I can't wait. For Kirsty Cotton, The Nightmares Never End. Still fresh in her fevered memory are her father's skin corpse, the evil machinations of her Uncle Frank's reanimated body, and the unspeakable perversity of the Cenobites. But for Kirsty, the worst is yet to come. Hellbound. Hellraiser 2. Dr. Chenard reopens the channel between dimensions, making an unholy alliance that will once again propel Kirsty into the horrifying world beyond. And for a second time, she must confront the dark desires of the demonic Cenobites and the awesome powers of their master, Leviathan. Lord of Hell's Labyrinth. Between this world and the next, between extreme pleasure and excruciating pain, between salvation and utter horror, there is Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. The runtime on this is 93 minutes, but God dang, it felt like an eight hour long movie.
1: Yeah, you felt every one of those minutes.
0: Absolutely excruciating.
3: So some, some unflattering knowledge about me watching this movie. The first time I watched it, I fell asleep halfway through. And, and then it's woke, your favorite. And then woke up at the end and I was like, oh, shit, I got to rewatch this, man. I missed so much of this movie. And then watched it a second time, fell asleep with the same exact part, woke up a little bit later. I was like, ah, oh, shit, I'm going to have to rewind this and watch this movie. So I had to rewind to the last part I remembered it, watched about halfway through the part that I'd forgotten, fell asleep again, woke up, rewound it again. Yeah. The thing is, I watched this movie like super late at night. So, like, it not, it's not the movie's fault, but I just kept mm-hmm. going to uh-huh. sleep. Yeah. Okay, whatever.
1: Sounds like somebody's favorite movie. But when right. I actually <laughs> sat
3: through it all, I was like, wow, this is really good. I like How it. How much did Hellraiser 2 pay you to <laughs> yeah. say that? That's not your guys' concern. It only <laughs> took me four
1: <laughs> watchings, but when I got through it all.
0: <laughs> when I sit down to watch horror movies, Hellraiser 2.
1: <laughs> <Now>.
0: <laughs> so this movie does that thing that I really don't care for, is when the sequel comes in and it automatically pits the surviving character her against new characters that don't believe her, she's been institutionalized, and all she wants is a Pepsi.
1: But wait, yeah, there. <laughs> so it doesn't even make sense because it, all right, it takes place like almost immediately after yes. Hellraiser One, and so they're like, "Oh, she hasn't even woke up yet." But then they're also like, "She's institutionalized," and they let the boyfriend go. Yeah, so and, but they made
3: her stay. That doesn't while make any she sense. she was in a
1: coma, they were like, "We should just institutionalize her for her own good."
3: I got, the, right. I got the idea. Who signed that off on I got the idea yeah. she wasn't in a coma. I got the idea that she basically was like, she like kind of came out of it and was like, You guys, it was this, it right. was this, and like but she's she was fucking asleep. crazy and then passed out, and they're like, all right, put her in the right. SM
1: headcanon, maybe that happened. Maybe. But no, the, because the doctor she specifically up. says, like, oh, she's finally waking up or
0: whatever, like implying oh, yeah, right. it's you're like right. her first time. All right, alright. Plot hole number one. Yeah, they okay.
1: institutionalize
0: <laughs> her just for luck. She wakes up and the detective she wakes up and the detective is like, hey, your boyfriend was just here. We let him go home. And boy, did he have a yarn spinning. <laughs> Let's hear what you got to say. Cause no- so nobody knew what she was about to tell him.
3: Also, when she like, validates the same story that the boyfriend just told, maybe call the boyfriend back in.
0: And lock him up. You know, Maybe like, okay, this might have been a duo. So right off the bat, I'm I'm having issues with this, and then we get like a flashback, and it's tons of footage from the first. Yeah. One. Well,
3: before <laughs> before we even start, see her in the institution, the movie starts with a little recap of the first end of the first movie, and then you get to see Pinhead's character before he becomes Pinhead, like right. dicking around right. the box right, yes. in like what looks to be like early 1900s, like Saharan desert, yeah, like,
1: like Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, it, it
3: looked
0: like World War One era.
3: Yeah. Yes, and he's and then the guy's like business all pleasure and he's all like pleasure and then you see him dicking around the box in a very similar ritualistic square fashion in this like weird bunker type thing
0: but there is a really cool sequence of him getting nailed
3: in the head like the the, you see you see the origin of how he basically gets like picked to be pinhead but that's what got me and i have a question about that because the things come out grab him turn him into pinhead Mm -hmm. and then he's a Cinebite. I but get, that doesn't happen to Frank or other people. So, like, wh- why does it happen decide? to some people and doesn't happen to yeah, others? Yeah, what's so special about him? And I guess that's never yeah, answered. We it's really never really answered touch in on two. It, no. Yeah, it's never answered in two. Maybe, like, in nine or ten or something. <laughs> I don't but. think so. But. Maybe
0: it's like that Leviathan thing. I think they drop a lot
3: what. of this
1: lore in the future movies. In 3, they completely yeah. retcon it. And that actually so. is
3: why they, a lot of people have a problem with 3 because before I it's always three. like, we're not, from, we're not from hell, we're not demons, we're not angels. We basically kind of exist in this, like we found pleasure through immense pain, yada, yada, yada. We work for this fucking weird thing called the Leviathan or engineer, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And then in three, they actually are like, we're from hell, we're demons. Yeah, there's a whole
2: church
1: scene. Yeah, and they and basically
3: that. completely like, like it's going to be easier just to call these guys from hell, yeah. let's just rewrite it.
0: So, But
1: to your point, Mark, this movie is 93 minutes, and I think 10 of it are Hellraiser one minutes. Yeah, it's <laughs>
0: yeah. a ton of stock footage from movie one. It is a complete recap of the end of one. So you're already losing me. Like, the first <laughs> 10 minutes of the film, <laughs> yeah. I'm already starting to check out a little bit. Penhead's origin is pretty cool. And then
3: we cut yes. to Christy in the um Magically the
1: institutionalized. And Do you, the
3: doctor is just
0: a real, like, like, oh, hey, check this out. You know, you're like, wow, this guy's a real piece of work. So while they're talking to Kirsty, getting her story about what happened, we flash over to some cops inside the house. Issue number two for me. I thought the house burned down in movie one. All the piles of fire that I mentioned, the chairs on fire. Maybe it was just damaged.
3: Didn't oh, no, burn no. all the way the down. House,
0: the house, the fires at the end of one are not the house. They actually took that to
3: like a construction site where there was just rando fires.
0: Oh, it was just kind of cut over there. Oh, it and and absolutely
3: then they, just cut over there. Like, it's just kind of like, because well, they should walk away. Because they, they showed they pictures
0: of Frank burning. And the picture was in his like box in really? the attic. Yeah, there was a picture of Frank and it showed yeah. it kind of burning away. And then it was her throwing a box in a fire. So if oh. they if they left and went somewhere else, they didn't make it clear to me. Oh, the, the whole the whole last like part. If I, I learned
1: anything to... about the eighties from watching movies, is that there were just fires everywhere all the time. So I'm <laughs> sure they and, could that find and a... buses.
0: Were Lord of the Flies
3: yeah. basically?
1: <laughs> I'm sure they could have found a fire.
0: Everything I know from movie I learned from Escape Two Thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so
3: they, so yeah, that's not clear. They, She wakes up in the insane asylum. The doctor's like... You know, oh, you're I'm sorry. You're talking about the cops. God, God already this movie's confusing. Yeah. But yeah. okay, maybe I'm going to have to go back and like reevaluate this being <laughs> my favorite one. But there's some parts I love in this movie. But yeah, so the cops are there looking around the house.
0: and they're yeah, still they, find just, a, they find a charred body in the closet and the cop accidentally shoots it because it frightens him. Like nine times. Yeah. And they're like, oh, there's still stuff going on there. And then they're like, okay, I guess we're going to keep her in this institute a little bit longer. Um, they start to introduce some of the other characters. Uh, there's Dr. Chenard, and there is an assistant. He, he's a he's like a doctor who just started there. Yeah. Um, what was his character's name? We'll call him Craig. Okay. Craig. 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 <laughs> we'll call him Tom. Let's make it easy for you, Mark. <laughs> okay. No, I like Craig. Um, <laughs> so we kind of find out that uh, this doctor is the head of the Institute. There's a lot of patients he's seeing. He seems to know a little bit more about this... Otherworldly stuff. than maybe the audience realizes. Well, he
3: walks in to meet Christy, and he's already like, "All right, tell me your story. I believe
0: you." Like he's already
3: like, "I'm on board for this. Let's go. How what? How crazy are you? Let's do this." Right. And he's really interested in what she has to say, based off some of the stuff she said. It seems like you're right. He does have right. some
0: kind of knowledge of
3: like this. What's up? This um this mythology yeah. of this alternate place yeah so
0: before the detective who was taking her statement leaves he gets a phone call from the house where uh, the cop shot up the burnt body and he hears mention uh, uh, he hears mention of a bloody mattress and all of a sudden Kirsty knows that you got to get rid of that bloody mattress or Julia will come back to life
3: yeah so so Julia's so actually Kirsty's like t- like not not tied down but she's in the bed she's like you know I walked in Julia was on the mattress she got ripped apart. There's blood all over it, and then she's like, "You have to get rid of it because the Cenobites basically have a deal with her." Blah blah blah. This and this again. Somehow, Kirsty knows the entire history of the Cenobites <laughs> and their 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 inner yeah. workings.
0: And she should not.
3: And what no. goes on and how you get resurrected because it was never explained how Frank got resurrected. So she also knows exactly how that's gonna happen. She's like, "So get rid of the mattress." The first thing the doctor does is go gets on the phone. And he's like, "Hey, you guys got that mattress? So <laughs> deliver that shit to my house
0: straight up. He's don't tell anybody." He's got like a pad. and He's right. Take mattress. Kill hobo <laughs> yeah. on it. Bring back Julie. Not a hobo, but yeah. That so,
1: scene I, is is fucking
3: just so gross.
0: It's where, the best scene of the movie.
1: Yeah. So he brings uh, one of his patients who has, I guess, visions, and he's like, "Here's a razor. Have at it." Well, hold on.
3: Let me let me interject one little piece of information because this is important. So he gets the mattress delivered to his super nice, swanky, like, <laughs> yeah. postmodern house. And then he goes back to the the asylum or the, the hospital, takes an elevator down to, like, basement level three – and yeah. that shit opens up and it is like Freddy Krueger level like cells with people with insanity problems they've got hooks in them like you can like oh the doctor's running in a torture chamber yeah so he's not on the up and up
0: it's on the maintenance level it's maintenance right below level. basement I wrote that well, he's down. doing okay. Work. so Welcome yeah <laughs>
1: so he brings this this poor crazy guy and he's, he puts him on the mattress and gives him a straight razor and he sees leeches on himself and then he just maggots. starts maggots, maggots yeah. sorry maggots yeah and he just starts cutting them out of his flesh and it is kind of gross. tough to watch
3: yeah oh it's exceptionally hard to watch and but the one thing that did bother me though is like he's got like he's seen bugs on him he's got yeah. scars from where he tried to like rip his skin off previously um the doctor puts him on the fucking like death mattress that julia was killed on and then hands him a straight razor but the guy instead of like shaving off chunks of skin where the bugs are or the, the maggots are and mm-hmm. stuff like that just starts slicing like he's cutting bread and I'm yeah. like, yo, if you're trying to like cut things off, he's you, crazy. You slice, you don't, you don't, I mean, you, you shave, you don't slice up and down. It's like, what are you going to kill like one maggot at a time? It's like, no man. Yeah. He's His doing technique crazy. was all yeah. off. Oh yeah. It was completely, I was like, dude, you got to get better at this. Yeah. He's a crazy person. He's doing but crazy anyway, things. He cuts himself up and like, it's so gross. There's so much blood and that blood gets sucked into the mattress. And
0: rebirths Julia.
3: Julia pops out of the mattress and grabs the, 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 the patient. Yes. And then. Drags him across the floor and ends up like devouring his body and skin There's and basically a hungry python. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she um she ends up basically like getting back on the mattress and the doctor's just like cool. I'm in. He's immediately in. Like the doctor kind of knows, like, oh, I needed to do this to access. So the doctor has done his research and you find out Craig had been investigating him. Craig snuck yeah. into the doctor's <laughs> house his and real name saw is Kyle. this play out. Okay. Okay, Kyle. Craig, Craig is Kyle going forward. <laughs> Kyle basically snuck into the doctor's house before he brought the patient in. Is hiding behind the curtains as all this plays out. But one thing that happened is Kyle's looking around before the patient gets brought in on the um, the mattress. You see glass cases with multiple um, lament configurations. C- yeah, like there's multiple boxes, and I'm like, wait, how many cubes exist? Like, is each one like connected to a specific? I think a of or is cubes. it one of the like the Leviathan like? The universe is just playing the odds like it's put like 500 out there we'll see how many people bite i think it's that
1: because okay. i think in other ones there's multiple cubes as well that well if you're out. trying
0: to get souls you're going to want as many as you can right yeah
3: but if that can shut your cenobites down why have so many out there like why not have two different cubes like this is the on switch and this is the off switch
0: maybe the the cenobites are attached per cube maybe there's Thousands of centibites. Oh, That would be really interesting if they're all like yeah. linked. I think we somehow. all
1: need to watch Hellraiser 4. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apparently, really all explain, the answers are did in they four. They explain this?
1: They explain some of it. Yeah, they explain where the cube comes from, and okay. it's a little bit okay. of prequilly. y.
0: Future episode three and four, perhaps. Yeah, it be um, four and three. <laughs> so Kyle then goes back to Kirstie and says, Hey, turns out you're not crazy. I just saw some crazy shit go down. <laughs> um, Turns out old Doc over here has got a basement full of crazy people that he's just torturing and murdering. Oh, and by the way, Julia's back. She was
2: horrible. She had no skin. No skin.
3: Julia doesn't deserve to come back. I need that box.
2: Gennard has boxes.
0: Like in my story?
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: I'm going. Wait a minute. What do you mean, I'm going? To the house? Are you crazy?
2: I don't know, Kyle. You're the fucking expert.
3: Look, think about this.
2: Kyle, when I think, I
1: hurt, okay?
3: Yeah. And the the people who are being tortured at the, in the basement have their own cubes. Like, the doctor has given them cubes to try to figure out.
0: Right. Okay, so we need to also say that there's a patient in this hospital named Tiffany. She'd yep. been there for 6 months, hasn't spoken a word and has only been solving puzzles. <laughs> just loves puzzles. She is the puzzle master. So from going forward, I'm going to call her the puzzle master. Okay. Yeah. So no. It's really the convenient
1: master. that there's a person in this <laughs> asylum who's just I just love puzzles. Can I only do well, puzzles? No, so, please? So the
3: thing is, though, is we find out in a later flashback that the doctor killed her mom to right. keep her there because he was like, "Ooh, she is the
0: puzzle master. I might need this. I puzzles. need this chick <laughs>
3: on my payroll." So she basically like kills
0: the mom to keep Tiffany there. She and, was put in the asylum because she did too many puzzles. Yes. the her mom mother brought, said that. The mom brought her <laughs> she in. She was like, institutionalized <laughs> because she did too many puzzles. Well, no, no.
3: She brought her in it's Like, can you help her? And the doctor was like, I can totally help her. I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to abduct her. <laughs> and that's how he helps that her. That might have been an upgrade for her life, though, if you
1: think about it. If the mom's like, that's it. No daughter of mine's doing <laughs> this many puzzles. <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah. Is every person in this doctor's life uh, a captive? Like, oh, you make a really good burger. Thanks for bringing him in. Kills him. Now you're on my <laughs> chef staff.
3: Maybe, but like, yeah, so that's how he gets Tiffany. So Tiffany's just kind of doing her own thing. And then we cut back to Julia pulling a Frank talking to the doctor who has clearly done his research because in his office he's got like
0: pictures. And Julia mitts. is still skinless.
3: Yes, Julia's skinless. Uh, yes, And uh, she's like, I'm cold. And he's like, go find something to wear. And she comes out in white clothing. <laughs> so which dumb. I was like, of all the stuff, he, <laughs> all the stuff she could have picked out of his closet, she picked the white stuff. And I gotta feel like she did it as a big fuck you, just kind of like Ooh, I'm gonna take this white suit. Fuck it all up.
0: How do I look? Scary. And he's like, uh, no. i will be like, oh, yeah, you're gross. Bloody,
3: mostly. (laughs) And, um, oh, no, no. And so she walks out and she's, um, she's walking skinless across his white carpet, leaving bloodstained footprints. And I'm like, oh, that's never coming
0: out. Yeah, bloody pr- prints on his nice white walls. She looks in the mirror, punches
3: it, because she's angry that she's skinless. You don't punch then, a,
0: a mirror without skin. I'm sorry.
3: And then she turns around, and she's like... <laughs> it's just too far. <laughs> she's like, "She's like, <laughs> are you scared? And he's like, nope. And then she's like, all right, kiss me. There is a lot of skinless people making out in these movies.
0: Like this And is she a moves his thing. hands to like cup her breast and grab her oh, ass yeah, and yeah. like, She's like yeah. get it dude <laughs> fucking
3: get it and he's just like alright has got
0: who's got it going on I do <laughs> <laughs> alright so Kyle and, and Kirsty are now sneaking into the doctor's secret lair do you guys know what they were trying to do there I don't recall no I'm going why because I'm going to get my father I think they were trying to expose him trying to find
3: out more about what he has going on <clears throat>
0: Oh, around. she wanted a cube, right? Yeah, yeah. She was she, desperate to get her hands back on a cube. Yes, yeah, so she could
3: sh- shut uh, Julia down. I think. Oh, no, I think I think she's gonna blackmail like the Cenobites into taking Julia back. And oh, so then... she's trying to do another deal.
2: Kirsty, you all right? I had a visitor. What? Here? Who?
3: It was my father. He's alone
0: and he's still suffering.
2: Kirsty, your father's dead.
0: My father's dead, and he's alone, and he's still suffering. Now I'm going. Why? Because
2: I'm going to get my father.
0: So here's where I'm going to bring up the point that I said I was foreshadowing. Kirsty solved the puzzle in two seconds of being trapped in the uh, hospital in movie one. Why do they need a fucking puzzle master to open this?
1: In the movie, in, the, in this universe, they continually talk about how difficult this puzzle box is supposed to be. It's always seemed like amazing that someone unlocks it, like in every single one, even though it is not. It is just. But the r-
3: doctor has like a team of like insane patients working around the clock on these <laughs> things and with hooks and stuff in them, and they can't figure it out. Yet, like, Kirsty and yeah. Tiffany and even Pinhead and mm-hmm. Frank are just like. Five minutes. Cool, I got this.
0: It looks like you just rub the circle and it opens. It's not that fucking hard. (laughs) Maybe it only opens if the
1: box wants to open. Uh, I don't know about that,
0: but anyway, I have a big problem with Puzzle Master being in this film. That's (laughs) why, because I've seen it opened so easily, time and time and again. So uh, Puzzle Master opens the box in the hospital or the the wherever they're at. The wall splits open.
1: Uh, it's not hands that call us, but desire. So you must have to want to open the box.
0: Okay. But then the doctor should have been able to do it because Tiffany was the hands, doctor was the desire. But
1: in other uh, movies, including... uh, Well, in other movies, if you're forced to open the box, they're like, nah, it doesn't count.
0: Which is what happens with Tiffany. They look at her because old throaty McGee, (laughs) cinnabite, whatever her name is, Mm -hmm. uh, the female cinnabite, Um, She just kind of, she starts going at Tiffany and Pinhead's like, wait, it is not the hands, but the desire. And then it pans over and, and then Julia and Dr. Chernard are gone.
1: That's why I think that he couldn't open it. He didn't desire it enough until he saw Julia and was like, oh, I get it now. I
3: don't feel like anyone could desire that box more than that dude did. He, he had, had display cases. <laughs> he had posters on his wall. He had nah. manuscripts. He had like a picture yeah. of um, Pinhead in his human form.
1: But he desired it at maybe a superficial level. Until he saw the supernatural, he didn't have enough Fear in him. to I'm just making this up, by the way. Until he
0: cupped a skinless titty, he was not on <laughs> yeah, board. Unless
1: you've kissed a zombie,
3: you're not in. They don't want to see you. It really takes a skinless person to get your priorities straight. Is basically what <laughs> we've come to learn.
0: I guess I'm going to accept and move on. But that was, an, again, a big sticking so point this film had for me. Julia
3: and the doctor are like, we're gonna, we're
0: gonna basically like the do- uh, Julia's like, I'm
3: going to make the doctor a Cenobite because she's working for the Leviathan, the head.
0: Right. Thing in this like realm. So when Tiffany opened the wall, Dr. and Julia went into the labyrinthian hell. He's starting to see what this world is like. And she's kind of taking him on tour. Like, hey, check out. Check out hell, man. Lots and lots of matte painting going on mm. in this hell. We got I did a, like the Quiznos matte over there. So, we got yeah. a
3: Starbucks right over
0: there. This is the
1: hell pool. It's <laughs> yeah. open. You Have know? a dip.
0: Why don't you? <laughs> you like <laughs> um, razor wire?
1: Yeah. Right over here, my dude. Those matte paintings were cool. I like
0: those. And then she walks him out to, um, what is that dude who did all the, the weird stare? MC what? Escher. Right. She walks him out to an MC... MC, MC Hammer. MC Hammer. MC Hammer. <laughs> she walks him out to an MC Escher style uh, area that is I've uh, got a giant black diamond thing spinning well, around and at, emitting light. If
3: you look at the, the MC Escher like world that they're on, if you zoom out, at one point they did, it looks like the cube. The designs on the side of the, the, mm. the limit cube configuration look like this world. So it's almost like their world, like the cube mimics their world. And yes, off in the distance in the air is this massive like diamond shaped thing that is like a a reverse negative lighthouse that's shooting out black light. And when it crosses over you, you get negative um, film effect on you. (laughs) And it like hits you with like the dark light.
0: And Julia reveals this is the god Leviathan of this labyrinth. And she's like, I'm working for this dude, which I'm like, how did she get the E-ticket
3: to work for the head dude when everyone else is struggling just to become a Cenobite.
1: Because she is so evil and just, uh, she took to it so quick. They're like, we've never seen anyone
3: <laughs> <laughs> like you. She was the Jackie Robinson yeah. of We Cinnabon. appreciate your gumption. <laughs> yeah. You're and on the team. And she wasn't even a Cenobite, though. No. Like, she was just a skinless chick,
1: man. She didn't even have to be. That's why they were so impressed. They were like, you're doing all this shit just Your like, resume uh, speaks
0: uh, for itself. Exactly. We like you on board. Yeah. We saw you murdering all those men for Frank, and we <laughs> like what you were doing. You
1: didn't even have to kill some of them, but you did it anyway, and that's- that's what we like.
0: <laughs> We're gonna send you back out there. Bring us
3: more no, souls. So she basically like is like, I brought you out here to kill you to to turn you into a cenobite for the the dark lord. And um, he's like, oh no, and he gets turned into a cenobite, the doctor, which is like this weird razor wire faced tentacle monster type thing. And the first thing he says, he's like. Now that I've experienced it, I don't know why I ever like fought against this. Like, I don't know why I didn't ever want to just become this. Instantly. Yeah, he's like, this
0: was exactly what I wanted in life. Yeah, and then a giant weird tentacle thing attaches to his head, and then he's <laughs> floating around for the rest of and the like, movie. And
3: like blends his brain up. Like, it's got this like little blender attachment at the end. It like goes into his skull, like blends it up, and he's like. Ugh! <laughs> 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 And <laughs> then, and then after that, he's like, "Check it out, I'm a tentacle monster," and you're just like, "Okay." And so he's a new Cenobite.
0: Right. At this and- point,
3: this is when Kirsty's talking to the other Cenobites to try to blackmail them into getting Julia. And they're like, no deal. We want you. Fuck Julia.
0: And he's like, now you're in hell. Your box doesn't work. Go check out hell for a little bit. <laughs> and then we're going to come get you and show you all them delights we've been talking about. It's very about. kind
3: yeah. of them. They give her, they hey, give her like some downtime. Yeah. Get comfortable. You know, settle hey, in. Get, and then get then to know your back. surroundings. <laughs> and then we'll torture. And then they come back. And like, it's time. He's like, no deals. And she's like, no, no deals. Just information. And then she shows him a picture of, him, of Pinhead as a human before yeah. he became Pinhead. And he's like, like, like triggers a memory and he's like, oh yes, those were simpler times it, Like in his mind. And then he kind of pauses and then the doctor, the new Cenobite comes out and he's like, it's a changing of the guard. I'm going to kill all you old people and I'm going to be the new badass Cenobite.
0: <laughs> Which I didn't really understand this I didn't part. understand it's that like, either. Now they're just going to fight each other because... And even, showed,
1: not really a fight either it's they sh- over so all they, quick. they just Pinhead all straight
3: shoot. up die yeah, yeah. Pinhead shoots the, the chains with hooks on it the doctor just goes yeah I'm good cuts the chains and then like emperor from Star Wars like blue electric like yeah. fries each one and turns them back into human which Pinhead turns back into his human form the girl turns back into the female cinnabite turns back in her form the chatterer the one with the teeth is like a kid Which was
0: interesting. Which I was like,
3: "Whoa, that kid's like 13 years old. That's fucked up." And then so he basically turns them all back into human and kills them. And then Christy and Christy and uh, Tiffany, the Puzzle Master, are standing there like, "We got to stop this doctor." So they're trying to fix this other diamond lament cube that looks like the giant lord.
0: So this last half of the film is just so incoherent. They go back to the real world. They come back to hell. And after I couldn't figure out
3: where they were half the time. I was like, they're somewhere.
0: Yeah, after a bunch of back and forth, Tiffany the puzzle master and Kirsty end up in front of Leviathan, seeing it for the first time, and Dr. Trinard Cenobite shows up and he the whole time he's rattling off these like doctor puns, like, your diagnosis is in. It's terminal. (laughs) And it's like just really hamming it up, and there's John, kind do of you the, want to tell us those were all ad libbed as well? And there was no, I lines? wish I could tell you that. <laughs> hey, they're all better than Jesus wept. They were;
1: true. those were scripted lines.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Julia's there too, right? But <sighs> she she gets at some point. There's a giant vacuum that's created down one of Hell's corridors, and it sucks Julia out of her skin, and the skin pile falls on the ground. Um, they
1: really don't want Julia to have skin. They are
3: against
0: a skinned <laughs> Julia. Yeah. It's not within uniform. So during the final showdown, Kirsty gets backhanded by the doctor, and while he's going in to kill the Puzzle Master, uh, Julia well, reappears and uh, starts to trick the doctor. And he's like, "I knew you'd come what back." What
1: kind of backhand? I mean, it knocked her like just right out. And, and then he was just like, "You know what? That's good enough." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs>
1: like. Very short-sighted of the doctor. He could have just taken care of it if he wanted to exert a little bit more effort than a backhand. Look, you want
3: that
0: sweet puzzle master blood? That's (laughs) all I'm saying. He's got tentacle hand scapel things. He could have easily just slit the throat of Kirsty and gone about like going after. Yeah, no, he just wanted to give
1: her a good backhand and.
0: So, spoilers: Kirsty has slipped on the skin of Julia and is tricking the Doctor Chenard. And while she's busy making out with him, with Julia's skin on, which is really weird to think about,
1: how would that have even worked?
0: Skin it does have. not
1: work like the people in the Hellraiser universe seem to think that I know, it does. It would not have
0: worked. It wouldn't held its shape. No. It would have been torn and gross. would have <laughs> it like-
1: yeah, it'd been like that uh, scene in Men in Black where the alien puts on a skin suit and it's just all flabby and doesn't make any exactly, sense. Exactly,
0: but.
3: If it's a D'Onofrio skin
0: suit. Yeah, is. exactly like that. <laughs> um, but it, it's enough time for Tiffany to solve the lament dagger to turn it back into a box and that box, then whatever the hell happens, Ends the like, terror. I,
3: it's got, they've got to be linked to people because when she solves that one, it basically like blows up the giant leviathan. Lord. Well, no,
0: what it does is it it severs the doctor's head clean <laughs> off. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> like,
3: right. Like
0: like from his eyes up, his head is just torn completely off after the box is solved. And I was like, yeah. what? Okay. And then the the self destruction sequence activates, and they got to evacuate hell before the timer's out.
1: <laughs> Duh. Hell obviously has
0: a self destruct sequence. And it's not even hell, but yes. <laughs> And they get back and, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, so Julia and Kirsty or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Kirsty
1: sound so disappointed. Kirsty and
3: Tiffany <laughs> I really didn't are like this running one. are running down this corridor to get out of the the hellscape before the Leviathan blows up, which I don't know how they knew that was gonna happen. It starts shooting out little light beams at him and stuff like that. So like, quick run. They get through, Leviathan blows up, which I guess is we're led to believe is the end of that regime, but
0: why and how and for what reason And then... um, It was far too incoherent. I just didn't know what I was watching after a while.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it did not hold it together. They
3: really didn't. No. And it's like... But that's the thing is there's so many questions this poses. Like, why did the doctor want to take out the old Cenobites instead of basically like, hey, I'm part of the team. Let's work together. Right. Like, are Cenobites like independent contractors? Like, how does this work? Are they all, like, hired, like, you know? Your contract's like, over. I'm the new guy. <laughs> it's like, like, you've been replaced. And it's just like, why? What, wouldn't it be better if you guys all five worked together? But
0: It seems like Pinhead's <laughs> been there for a good long time. If he was there since World War I, oh, and I here know. we are in the 80s. You 80. think he's got yeah.
3: seniority, but, like, it's
0: just like, wait a minute. Why? And to be fair,
3: the doctor has, like, a million tricks with his little tentacles, and I think that's because he was selected by the Leviathan and he was given like well, then, better powers because Julia is working directly for the Leviathan. But like, then how are the other Cenobites made?
0: Leviathan like, needs to b- improve his management there's, skills. Yeah. There's,
3: <laughs> there's no consistency across Cenobites because Pinhead just seems to have chain hooks. Which, I got to
1: tell you, see, gentlemen, if you think that this has a lot of questions when you see some of these later Hellraiser oh movies, boy, oh boy. you are going to be so excited.
0: Yeah. I don't have a lot else to say about this film. Um... Some takeaways from it that I did enjoy is I liked the backstory for Pinhead. I thought Dr. Trenard was pretty good um, mm-hmm. as the Cenobite. I liked seeing him, but plot-wise and the flashbacks, and I just, I really didn't enjoy my time with it, to be honest. I, I like f- three better than two.
3: Oh, I can't, I, I will I won't even dignify that. But like, as after talking about it more, I do realize that I think what I liked about too is there was just so much more better visual and some of the backstory ideas were great. But you're right; a lot of this was poorly implemented as an overall piece, which kind of makes me wonder how much was cut, how much was changed. You know, who was in charge of like the backstory? Because if it was still Clyde Barker, man, you got to get your vision unified. He
1: was the executive producer for this one. Yeah, he
0: didn't direct, but, but did he, he was, write the script? Or? I think he was still involved in that portion of it. Yes um anything else to add on this i want I, I think we need to mention that there is a, a confrontation with frank in hell that i was we've actually skipped about to over. mention
3: that because when when Kirsty's running around like the hellscape just kind of you know getting her bearings before the the cinnabites come back to to take her take her to town um she runs into a room and it's basically like this weird morgue you know it's frank's hell yeah it's frank's, it's frank's version of hell and uh she he's like he's like welcome back, come to daddy. And I was like, of course, he's got to say that straight up to Kirsty. Come to daddy. And then like all these women keep coming out like, and every time he goes to touch them, they disappear so he can't touch them. So his hell is not being able to fuck these women.
0: While they writhe around on slabs under blankets. And <laughs> moan very suggestively. That doesn't seem like such a bad hell, dude. There's way I'm, worse. I
3: mean, you can just, I mean, worst case scenario, you I was told off.
0: it's fire and brimstone, but if it's just ladies on slabs you can't fuck, I, I mean, it could be, could worse, be worse, right? Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. And so he's like, uh, and then that, and then Julia walks in, and he's like, Julia, baby, I knew you'd come back. You still belong to me. And she just walks over and starts making out with him again. You're like, wow, that dick game, again. <laughs> For after all this, after getting killed by him, you're still just like, yeah, I'll give daddy some sugar. And it's like, whoa. But, but she tricks him. She does trick him. She actually like ends up like like tricking him, stabbing him. She
0: tears his heart out. Tears his heart from out. From his That's back. That's what it was.
3: Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. And then uh, Kirsty throws a, a sheet on a a lamp and then the whole place goes up in flames. Doesn't make sense. Kind of reminiscent of the fire from the house in the first one. (laughs) Right.
0: I burnt down hell with one sheet and a candle. I think think that was the writers
3: being like, we got to get Julia to have a moment where she can get revenge on Frank for what happened in the first one. But even then, it doesn't look like it's going to happen because she's immediately just like, hey, Frank, yeah, I'm still yours. And you're like, I'm like, no, did you learn nothing yeah, but, he killed you in movie one, by the yeah, way. Yeah, so turns out she did learn. Though. They get out of hell. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany and Kirsty get out of hell. What happens? I can't even remember what happens. After they look
0: that. at each other and walk down a path of like trees. Wait, what? That's the end of the film. <laughs> like, Kirsty and Tiffany look at each other. They look back at the, the institute and then they walk off.
1: Yeah, it was Ugh. it was not good. And uh, three is definitely better. Mark, you're right. Okay. No, three yeah.
3: was three was like three hurt. Like, it was, like, I will say the story was much more, like, uh, scripted out. Like, it definitely had, like, a plot that you could follow. Coherent. It was logical. But the Cenobites in 3 were terrible. Except for Angelique. What up, girl? How you doing? And then um, they were creative. The whole backstory of like <laughs> Pinhead trying to be her dad, who also died in like the Vietnam War, and she's having flash. Anyway, I'm not getting to three, but let's well, not delve too much so into it. So 90s, I, it
0: hurt. It's very 90s, but I, I can appreciate it for what it was, and I was more entertained by it than two. Yeah. Um,
1: if I had to pick like one Hellraiser sequel to watch, it would always be three. Really, yeah. even
0: more than four
3: with Adam Scott.
1: Even more than four, four. Oh, well, four is a mess. I mean, it takes place. But you said it's got backstory for the cube though, right? It does. It takes place like in the 1600s and then like in the 2500s.
0: So it's like Highlander.
1: Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> I've
0: got one final question for me and then I'll be good. Um, what the fuck is that totem that shows up in all the movies? What do you mean the the, the piece the, of wood, the with log all the stuff? that has all the scary toys attached to it? Oh, that
3: was one of my
1: favorite parts. Right at the end, when the same movers from the first movie—that's called-
0: how it ends. Yeah, goes right. back to the mattress and they're moving it out. The doctor's house where Julia yeah. resurrected. They're they're because
3: the doctor's dead at this point. They're cleaning out his stuff and then. The mattress is there.
1: Yeah. So the same movers from the first movie come and then they walk in and this fucking pillar of just grossness raises from the mattress and they're like, you seeing this shit?
0: Yeah. And he goes, what's your pleasure, sir? Yeah. It's like a quilt. It's like a, it's like a torture But what is it?
3: It was cool. It's a cool visual. It's a piece of wood that's got like a little something (laughs) from each centipede on it. Shop class project. I
1: think you guys maybe uh, are approaching this looking for some kind of depth. Yes, I would like some depth. This is a kiddie pool movie, not a deep end movie. There's you don't. There's not a lot to dig into. That is my
3: problem with like this. This the Hellraiser series so far from what I know of it, one, two, and three, because there is a backstory here. There is a deep running like concept and ideas and storyline there barely is there there (laughs) is but it's just not in the movies and i'm like why would you not make this about that like because it's a horror movie
1: right and in horror movies the story is simply there to push along the plot
3: you know it's I feel not like, like you a... can't have this complex of villains though and not give us something to to
0: work with because like with Jason well don't worry
1: because the villains become a lot simpler here soon <laughs> i think it's a
0: situation where we have some such fantastic visuals with nothing to really hook us in with like story and narratively you know there you've got these great images but you didn't flesh it out enough at to make time, it
1: the time that was enough because visuals like that just didn't really exist in other movies. That's true. There wasn't Saw and, you know, the internet. It was just like, oh, man, Well, this that, that happens all the time. Shit. Remember that movie
3: <laughs> Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow? Yeah, that movie like, was Like, that movie's just basically, like, some dude just, oh, I fucking hate it. It was so I boring. Love but love that movie. Great. Yeah, okay, I like but how it was one it, of those things where it was one of those things where it was like, yo, check out these sweet visuals. <laughs> Same thing with Sucker Punch, that stupid oh, Zack that Snyder movie, movie. That was basically them just having a bunch of, like, unique visual, like, concepts. And they're like, yo, we can just take, like, a music video and make a movie yeah. out of it and... So there's a lot of movies that do that, but I feel like what those movies never tried to do was like look at this really unique, crazy backstory for all these
0: characters that are going to be reoccurring, and we're never going to tell you enough about them. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is one of the only franchises that I would like to see a clean reboot with some deeper lore and story. They just
3: did the last one was
0: what Judgment was a reboot.
3: Was, I mean, maybe I not. A, it was just
0: as like it's side movie Yeah, thing. it's another
1: side movie one. Um,
0: I got here in 2013, Clive Barker posted on his Facebook page that he would be personally writing the remake to an original Hellraiser. Um, he already completed it and he sent it off to mention films and uh, he was going to be pushing for practical effects rather than CGI and the original Cinebite actor Doug Bradley would return as Pinhead. Um, as of... 2017 Barker revealed there had been no movement on that. The script was with Dimension and I, you guys know what happened with Dimension, right? That's no. under the Weinstein company, so who it's knows gone. what the fuck oh, is going on okay. now. So well, We
3: know what's going on now. Everything's getting yeah. liquidated as fuck, right. so, so I would who knows not, what happens ooh, next. Oh, but maybe the story can be sold off, though. Maybe we could see a whole new studio grab it because horror's actually making a little bit of a comeback right now.
1: That would be cool. I would not hold out a lot of hope for a
3: great Hellraiser movie, though. <laughs> Well, there's been we, 10 yeah. and
1: at best three are.
3: But we also, good. you know, well, I mean, we saw it. I mean, there wasn't like 10 of them, but like we also saw like people taking care with properties and doing them
0: justice. But again, yeah. it'll I, take the right hands, but yes. I think it's possible. But you're right, John, we shouldn't get our hopes up.
1: Yes, I think it is, of course, possible. There is, is a very fertile universe.
3: But man, do people just seem to abuse it. Speaking yeah. of not getting our hopes up, John, let's find out how you die.
0: Yes. It's time for another segment of John Dies First. All right. We've got three submissions today. Uh, we've got two returning champions. So this will kind of be a champion off. Uh, Matt from Austin, Texas returns. Kim from Austin, Texas Returns, and we've got a new up-and-coming... A Dark Horse Challenger. A Dark Horse Challenger, John from Waco, Texas. A scrappy
3: young lad who wants to take the title from the two reigning champions.
1: John is in the lead, early lead, for having the same name as me.
3: Ooh, he's got (laughs) a leg up. No, we will not, no, no. one.
1: Hey, as the judge, as the sole (laughs)
0: judge... That's right, we're not the judge here. (laughs) Yeah. John's the judge. Welcome back to
3: another segment of John doesn't decide how he dies first, (laughs) and we decide for
0: John. (laughs) All right, let's begin. I'm going to read uh, Matt from Austin, Texas. Here we go. The soldier's seen it all. His career was a long, cold chain of warlord assassinations, top secret regime changes, operations, and genocide cover-ups. He sat on the floor of his hotel room in a city that used to be Saigon, working on a second bottle of gin, and happy that in this one evening, he'd finally found a way to not remember. Tonight there would be no thoughts of his life of atrocity, tonight he would have a puzzle box to think about. The strange metal box that the Vietnamese madam had given him on his way out last night. He worked on it for hours, and with one more turn of a small disc on its top, it was solved. He must have fallen asleep and begun to dream at some point because now he was seeing a large door opening in the wall with horrible white light flooding out. In a doorway stood a half-naked 12-year-old boy wearing leather black lederhosen and a black plastic Darth Vader mask. Rawr! I'm John the Cenobite, spoke the boy, who must have actually been a man in his 30s. I've come to show you the pleasure of... Pow! The soldier smacked his black steel-toed combat boot into the boy's groin, doubling him over. He kneed him in the face, smashing through the Darth Vader mask and breaking John's jaw. In an instant, John felt two strong hands grab the strap on his back, and he was thrown from the 10th story of the Vietnamese hotel. So John's a Cenobite in that? John Not was, a good uh, one, apparently. A Darth Vader Cinnabite, in that. Okay.
1: All
3: right, all let's
1: right. See, uh, let's see what Kim's got.
3: All right. <clears throat> John is a vagrant squatting in the house. As he hears Larry and Julia jiggling the locks, he panics and hides in the closet of the upstairs room. Julia comes into the room and screams about vagrants. John decides it's time to run for it. Busting from the closet and down the hall, he runs into Larry coming up the stairs to Julia's aid. Larry, in full defensive mode, flips John over the banister and John dies from a broken neck upon impact. RIP John.
1: Like Larry could flip anybody. Yeah, Larry, you ain't talking about shit.
3: bitch, old Larry. <laughs> yeah, Larry. Larry right. nicks his thumbnail on the, the banister as he tries to flip John. I starts just crying swear. and bleeding yeah. profusely.
1: This is where she had said Frank, I'd be like, all right, yeah, yeah. but ooh, Larry. Frank, Frank
3: <laughs> yells, "Come to Daddy yeah. to John!" John yeah. runs out the window, <laughs>
0: kills himself, has a heart attack. Uh, that's one way to go. I would definitely maybe jump out a window if I was getting. I could see you getting flipped over a banister though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and John from Waco, Texas. (coughs) John somehow finds the puzzle box before Frank and mistakes the puzzle box for a regular Rubik's Cube and accidentally solves it. When Pinhead shows up, he accepts, thinking it's some kind of BDSM-themed Rubik's Cube convention. (laughs) He is then ripped apart by hooks with chains attached, obviously. Less obvious, he becomes the deadly compact disc-themed Cinebite CD. Oh, All right.
1: (sighs) All right. The definite winner is John because he knows of my love for the CD, uh, the DJ Cenobite, which I touched on in the
0: very first.
3: I became a Cenobite.
0: You could say that you die humanly. Yeah, my human form has died.
3: I'm not arguing the details. I just wanted to make sure that you know we're not we're not giving someone undue credit because of a name situation. No, when there was actually no death.
1: No, I got to tell you, it was uh, that he picked the right Cenobite, probably out of a hat. I assume. I don't know, but.
3: That's also my plus one was the CD maybe John from Waco actually changed his name to John, has been secretly stalking you, knows your favorite Cenobite, and this is just a long ruse to get in touch with you so he can become you and wear your skin like a suit. Great work. I mean, I got to tell you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations, John from Waco, Texas. All hail the new king. Yeah. Hey, don't forget Matt won last time, turning him into a troll. Oh, I remember. That was actually so he pretty great. didn't die either.
3: Now I, I understand that. We we talked about that, okay. but I just didn't know if we if we were just basically going to change the segment to John kind of gets fucked up at the end, or John or John dies John first. stubs his toe at the end.
0: Let's just generalize and say if John ends up in a worse position than he was before he began, <laughs> it counts. Oh, I'm going to start <laughs> submitting a lot. <laughs> now. All right. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.
2: Well, every
1: single night and every day see the haters lining
2: up to throw shit in your way well don't you let them in for you know they just might bite don't you let them near for they'll try to poison with this spite.